With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Joe Dells and John Torrelli. And this is now episode 203. In this episode, we are going to give our NFL awards predictions, discuss the Packers wide receiver problem, how the Jets should handle Zach Wilson, talk about the Lakers extending LeBron, the odds Giannis becomes a bowl, and Knicks re-engage in Donovan Mitchell trade talks. Now, episode 203, as you guys can see right now, if you're not seeing or you're listening, John is on the show. Shout Joel John. is on the show. You guys have me, Drew, man. No problem. Drew is on vacation, and Spain. Riv has a basketball game today yeah. in his men's league. Bro's on an exotic vacation. He's in yeah. Spain, not even some, like, regular Florida shit. So I'm going to go to Spain, him, his girl, parents. Yeah. It's a pretty nice Envious. trip. Are you thinking about You're going to the Bahamas. You I am going to the Bahamas, yeah. yeah. Next month, I got a wedding to go to. Um, nice resort, staying at for, like, a week. I'm going to miss a Sunday of football. Hopefully the wedding's not on a Sunday because I'm going to be in the room with Red Zone on, I'll be honest. Yeah. That Sunday in the Bahamas, I'm going to be watching Red Zone. It still feels weird not saying the Patreon names, I'm not going to lie. It does. It takes such a, a big bit. chunk of the introduction yeah. and not having it there, it definitely still feels weird. And you got to breathe before that too, right? Yeah. Or it takes a deep breath like he's about to take something. Um, but no, nah, I've been in the Discord. I don't really think uh, people mind too much, you know? I've been in the Discord so every day. Either. We've been chatting it up. If you want to join the Discord, join the Patreon. You'll get access to the Discord there. Been chopping up NBA. I th- you know what the issue has been? Riv has been obviously the person who's most consistent in the Discord. So he could just say whatever the hell he wants. And people would be like, oh, all right, whatever. Like, I go in there and he's sometimes just spewing nonsense. I could be like, Riv, like, what are we talking about? He was saying he would take Vucevic over Rob Will. He was saying Ben Simmons is Rob Will with the bag. He was just in there just saying a whole bunch of nonsense. I'm like, oh, this is what you've been telling all of our Patreon members for this long? Riv has a lot of fanboys in there. That's what I'm saying. Like, I got to come in and be like, bro, like, they can we be knowledgeable he, here? They think he's the most knowledgeable one out of all of us, and it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion. Sometimes he knows ball. Other times he doesn't. He tried to ratio me today, and it backfired on his ass. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, I put up a picture on Twitter, and one of the pictures is me looking down, and he was like, what are you looking down at? And I was like the bull seating, and then he was. It was a good one, and then he re- replied back with ratio, and he did not ratio <laughs> my tweet. He thought he's gonna get me. He got you last time, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He, he got me bad he, last time. Did he? he what was bad. that on again? It was, it was a tweet where I said, the co- the Steelers have three franchise quarterbacks because all of them played well in preseason, and he replied and he was like something's wrong with you, or, like, you're a sick man. And it did way numbers. more numbers in my original tweet. God. Yeah. But now, you know, I'm, I'm getting him back. I'm going to start to win these competitions. <laughs> these ratio you competitions. You pick and choose the battles that you decide to ratio somebody in. You do. You have to pick and choose. You can't just – he got cocky. He got overconfident. That's why he did that. He should have knew that was a good response. It was. And that 
he was not going to get a better response. Like he, his response was not going to be better. He should he should have saw the reply and kept it pushing. Yeah, go on something else on the TL exactly, or tweet yeah. about Steph Curry for the three thousandth time today. But now he got ratioed. Good. Um, until the football season starts, just to update update you guys, we are going to do a mixture of basketball and football on our shows. But once football season starts. We're going to record Tuesday, and that's going to be football only, and then we'll have a basketball-only episode on either Friday or Saturday, one of those days. So let's get on to the first topic of the show, NFL awards predictions. Now, we can start off with the most well-renowned award in the NFL, the MVP. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers has won twice back-to-back. Now who's going to win? Is he going to win again? Is he going to be a three-time MVP? Is it going to be one of these young quarterbacks? Is, is it going to be Russell Wilson in Seattle? Denver. I don't know. Oh, in Denver. Mm-hmm. My fault. Matt Ryan Who's in winning? Indy. Matt Ryan in Indy. He's Never a good know. dark horse. Who's winning MVP this year, Joel? I'll, I'll start with you. I have a lot of these I have two options for. I have kind of an obvious pick or I guess someone who's favored, you would say, and then a dark horse. Um, the person I'm picking is going to be Justin Herbert. I think it's really going to come down between him and Josh Allen. I just think after this season, we're going to be looking at Justin Herbert and he's going to be much closer to that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes kind of tier than the previous tier of Lamar's and Matt Stafford's, right? I think after this season, he really is just one deep playoff run away from being arguably in that top three. I think next year with Tom Brady retiring, Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVP, no doubt. Losing Devontae Adams and the rest of these rookie receivers have not really been stepping up. I know Romeo Dobbs has had his moments, but he's also had some bad moments in camp where he's dropping balls. So if you're going to be struggling in camp in preseason with Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be hard for you to be on the reg- on the field during the regular season. And I don't think Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard. My fault. Okay. Um, I don't think uh, Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, these guys are going to do enough to have the stats for Rodgers to go back-to-back um, or even three-peat. So I think Herbert's going to be looked at that top three competition. We know he has all the skill in the world to be able to be an MVP, all the arm talent. He's physical. He's athletic. He can make every throw on the field. My dark horse is going to be Trey Lance. I think it's a bit of a long shot. We did see Patrick Mahomes, year two, first year starting, come out, light the world on fire. I don't think Trey Lance is going to get 50 touchdowns, but he's someone who I love the system he's in. I love the weapons he's in. He looked really good in the preseason. He's been up and down in camp. But I've always been in on Trey Lance. He has all the physical tools, so he's my dark horse. Josh Allen. This is Buffalo's year where Allen can take that next step. And when you look at that schedule to start the year, they're in Los Angeles playing the Rams week one. Then they're going to Tennessee. They are they're at home versus Tennessee. They're going to Miami the following week. Then they have Baltimore on the road. Then they got Pittsburgh and Kansas City. If the Bills start hot this year, just like we saw with Kyler Murray last year, fans are going to take off with that MVP propaganda. You're big on Gabriel Davis. Were you saying he was a breakout player? I'm trying. I'm trying. He is going to get a thousand yards receiving with Stefan too. Yeah, with Stefan. <laughs> Drunk. Now you add in the little Di Debo and Khalil Shakur, Jamison Crowder in the slot, James Cook, Dalvin's younger brother. We'll see what he can be in the backfield. I think for Josh Allen, if they go come first place in the AFC this year, he is the clear front runner for MVP. Who'd you call Di Debo? Khalil Shakur. Oh my God. Okay. We'll yeah, see. he had a good preseason game, but Di Debo seems a little nice for him There's at this lot, point. He used to have courtesy and like he's there so many different okay. guys. Brett Coleman made a video on that. It's how it spawned in my head. And then Got you. easily, like you said, Justin Herbert has all the talent in the world to, yeah. to produce like crazy, but we just haven't seen the Chargers prove it yet. And until we do, I have Tom Brady number two. Last year, I mean he had arguably his most productive season and he just turned forty five. 
You think Brady's gonna has a better chance than Herbert? I think they're gonna win more games, and that plays a big okay. role. But the Saints are a massive underdog in that division. It's yeah. it's not easy pickings. I've low key soured on the Bucks over the last couple of weeks. They've had a couple injuries to their interior mm-hmm. offensive line. Obviously uh, losing Shaq Mason as well. Um, Godwin, who knows if he's on track? Mike Evans had a hamstring injury. You bring in Julio, who's a B, obviously last year. So I've soured a bit. I still think they'll win the division. But I've soured a little bit on them in terms of winning a ton of games. They're still being the playoffs. They'll still be a top oh, three yeah. seed. Not yeah. only that, but Tom Brady did just take a personal leave. And it, the thing is for family reasons. And that's now you have an injured offensive line. You have injured receivers. The chemistry is not going to be the same. So him missing time, I think, is, is And a new head coach. You got Bulls there. Exactly. Also, the Mets' number two prospect, uh, Brett Beatty, first at bat, two-run home run. Oh, yeah. nice. Go. Nice. Go. My MVP... It's between two guys, and it, it's really tough between picking these guys because they're in the same draft class. It's Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. I think one of these quarterbacks is going to win MVP. Because the Chargers made so much additions this offseason, they should be number one in the AFC. I think the Chargers should be the best team in the AFC record-wise. Their defense is stacked. Their offense last year was a top-five offense in the NFL, and now you just needed to add to the defense, and they did that with Khalil Mack, Kyle Van Noy, Sebastian Joseph Day, Bryce Callahan, J.C. Jackson. They re, they re, um, extended Derwin James. They're going to be a problem. But something about this just tells me I, I can't bet against Joe Burrow. They just went to the Super Bowl. Everybody's calling it a fluke run. Joe called it a fluke run. But what you guys don't understand, I use the word fluke, and I think people, what people don't understand is that Joe Burrow is an upper echelon quarterback, and I don't mean in the tier with the Staffords. I mean, and he's in the tier. Well, he's going to be very soon in the tier with the Rodgers, with the don't you have him at five with the Mahomes, you have him five, Allen's. He's already in there for you. No, he's just a tick below, but I think he's going to get in there this upcoming season because he's going to win MVP. He's the number one overall pick. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's turned a dysfunctional franchise upside down. For sure. He has all his weapons. His offensive line is significantly better. That running game is going to be better, too. Mixon was great last year. And I think Joe Burrow didn't start to get going until the second half of the season. Now that he's fully healthy, he's going to have a big time year. I think Joe Burrow is throwing for 40-plus touchdowns, 4,500-plus yards, 100-plus quarterback passer rating. He is going to be legitimately the best quarterback in the NFL, possibly next season. Oh, man. You're not, he hasn't been in camp either. He had, uh, he had to have surgery. Um, on his hernia. Yes. Hernia? What? I thought he had appendicitis. Or something like that. I think yeah. it was it, like it was like a normal person surgery, not like a football injury kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but he hasn't been in camp. Huh? You see him riding the cart around? Yeah. He has an appendix. Appendix. That's what it was. Ruptured appendix. Yeah. So I think it'll be fine. I don't think really missing out on camp is going to be huge for him. Um, I'm surprised you didn't go Josh Allen. I was expecting you to go Josh Allen for sure. You've no, been big on Buffalo I, I this offseason. I think Josh Allen is one of those quarterbacks that in the regular season, he's a bit up and down. He's a great quarterback yeah. throughout the regular season. But th- this past season, the reason why people put him number two or number one was because of his playoff run, not because of his regular season. Joe Burrow had a better regular season. Justin Herbert had a better regular season. Tom Brady had a better regular season. Aaron Rodgers. um, Mahomes had a better regular season. Josh Allen, when you compare his regular season to other great quarterbacks, he's not not on that level. The playoff run is what separated him. 
which is why I think that he's not going to be the MVP. I have another question, though, for you. Continuity is such a big role in all of this. Look at Kansas City. I'm a Steeler. Phoenix throw them in there. They don't have a top-tier quarterback. With all the continuity and added weapons and a defense that will still be very much elite, I feel like this is the year where he can just add more refinement in his fifth season and take it to another level where he doesn't have a game like against the Steelers. He has two interceptions, and he's the reason why they kind of end up losing the game. There was a, a block punt in that. The instance, offensive line but. for Buffalo, I think, is nothing to ride home about. I think the offensive line is something that is a real question mark. The running game is a real question mark. Suspect. So they, they are still... Yeah. It's been for years, though, and they've gone yeah, over it. The reason why Josh Allen's inconsistent in the regular season is because the Bills ask him to, to do everything. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have it easier. Like, the coaches... Don't make it easier for Josh Allen like they make it for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and Matt LaFleur in that system or Tom Brady in, in Tampa. It's not easy for Josh Allen. He's asked to be he's asked to make ridiculous third and long throws, first and long throws. He's asked to throw it down the field. He's asked to be their leading rusher. He's asked to be everything for them, which is why I think there's more room for inconsistencies with Joe Burrow, I think, and Justin Herbert. They're in a much more stable offensive system that is going to allow them to, to be more consistent throughout the regular season. But you like Joe Burrow to get MVP over Herbert? I do. Is he number one? I do, okay. and be, solely because of the weapons. I think I mean, T. the Chargers' weapons Boyd. are great, too. Yeah, they're, they're not great. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Or Tyler Boyd. Yeah, to an and extent. You combine them, I think. Mike Williams and, and Keenan is, is pretty damn good, too. No, they are and good. And Eckler, who's probably the best pass-catching back outside of CMC. They are good, I, but I would have liked the Chargers to add a vertical threat yeah. to their team. I think right now... It's Mike Will, who's a jump ball receiver, but he doesn't threaten you with the speed. And Keenan Allen, who works the middle of the field. I think they could have used somebody to stretch out the field. Right now, it's Jalen Guyton for them. And, you know, he he makes some highlight plays, but they could have used somebody else in there. Now, the next award, Offensive Player of the Year. And I have, I'm have i not going to lie. I have a feeling we're going to have the same player for Me Offensive Player of the Year. I think I might have the same player, too. What's your player? You guys go first. I'm going with Justin Jefferson. I'm going with Justin Jefferson. I am also going with Justin Jefferson. Oh, he's not yeah. winning. I, okay, think it's, I think it's pretty easy that I just say Justin Jefferson because you look at the season Cooper Cup just had with Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. I think Jefferson is, is most likely going to go for 1,600-plus yards. Minnesota will be a playoff team, I believe. I, I think it's a pretty easy pick. I don't see a player who has a clearer path than Justin Jefferson to win Offensive Player of the Year. Jonathan Taylor's did Jonathan Taylor win last year? No, no. Second. Uh, cup, cup won last year. Cooper cup won. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is in the conversation as well. It's usually the quarterback never wins it. The quarterback wins MVP, and then the best receiver or running back wins Offensive Player of the Year. I do think Jefferson is in prime position to be to have a career year. I think he could lead the league in receiving yards and be right up there in receptions and touchdowns. So he just had a hundred plus catches, sixteen hundred yards, and ten touchdowns, and we're expecting him to take another leap now. On an offense, it's going to be more pass-heavy, more modern than Mike Zimmer and what he was running for years. He was a defensive coach, but just, you know, his coaching staff that was underneath him. My dark horse, though, is going to be A.J. Brown. I think there were some people who, when the deal first went down, they just weren't sure because it was such a run-heavy offense and you have Jalen Hurts or people are unsure could be a franchise quarterback and be an elite passer. But I think the biggest takeaway, maybe in all of these games, were against the Jets, the Eagles win for the first series. They had eight plays. They dropped back eight times. They did not run the ball one time. Maybe I'm looking too into just one series in the first preseason game, but I think that tells you a lot about what this Eagles offense wants to do. I think they want to progress some more. I think they want to pass the ball more, not be looked at as this run-heavy team. 
Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, they're boys. They've been boys way before the NFL, even in college. I think going back to high school, and you might scoff at it at first, but we saw last season Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup became really good friends, and Cooper Cup has an historic season. So I don't want to – it's funny to think about, but it's also like if you were a quarterback and your best friend was one of the receivers, you're probably going to give him more looks than Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, or whoever else you want to throw in there. So I think the Eagles are going to be a more pass-heavy attack. Him and Hurts' connection, A.J. Brown Hurts' connection, their relationship is going to go from off the field to on the field, and I think A.J. Brown's poised for a big season. First off, with Justin Jefferson, I don't think we fully appreciated how special exactly he has been. Wide receivers in their first two seasons to have 2,500 yards. Randy Moss, OBJ, Justin Jefferson. Now this next stat, keep in mind, this past season, he played all 17 games, had an additional one. Now, wide receivers in the first two seasons to have 3,000 yards. Justin Jefferson, and that is the list. Now, like you talked about, Kevin O'Connell's there to add flavor into the passing game, and he's going to be moving around whether it's in the slot or on the outside. And I just think overall, he's like you said, you just hit the nail on the head. He's going to have an amazing season, in my opinion. But then the other player, too, is Jamar Chase. 1,600 or 1,400 yards in his first season? 1,600. 1,600. And with the connection he's built with Joe Burrow, I don't know if there's a way necessarily you can just game plan consistently take that away in year two. I wouldn't be surprised if they have an even better season. That's a very high bar, 1,600 yards in year two. And Joe Burrow, I mean, he, for me, was another dark horse MVP candidate for that very reason. That connection they have, it can be the very best in the NFL now that Devontae's out of Green Bay. And that's what's so dangerous about the Cincinnati offense. Joe Mixon still led them in total yards last season. You have the best number two, arguably, in the entire AFC and T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd's an amazing number three work in there as well. Unfortunately, they don't have Volante anymore. That's disappointing. 1,455 yards. So he did have um, 1,455 yards. I think that's a good pick. Um, I'm still going to go with Justin Jefferson, though. I I think I don't even have a dark horse. I just have Jettas. Jonathan Taylor, I understand it. I can understand Derrick Henry as well. But I think just with running backs, if you're picking for an award, I tend to stay away just because it's such an injury-prone position. Whereas receiver, I think I can count on these guys to stay more healthy defensive player of the year, I'm going with Micah Parsons. I'm going with Micah Parsons. You have Micah too? I have Micah Parsons Damn, as well. so do I. I mean, second, yeah, I mean, second, he came second last year to TJ Watt. Micah, 13 sacks last year, 84 combined tackles. I think he's going to be defensive player of the year. For, for somebody to come into the NFL the way he did and be dominant so fast, I think that's going to showcase more and he's going to be the runaway defensive player of the year next year. His first year in the league was arguably the most versatile defender in the NFL. Um, I think not only does Micah have the stats, the technique, and just the pure skill, but he also has that ability to jump off the screen, and someone who's not even a diehard football fan can point out Micah Parsons on defense and be like, that guy's special. There's very few players in the NFL that could do that, and we saw that year one from Micah, so I think he's only can continue that as long as he stays healthy I think they'll probably even have use him as a pass rusher even more this year than the last year. He didn't drop back a ton, but enough to at least impact his numbers. I think if you have Micah Parsons, he should be rushing the pass through damn near every play, unless you want to have some sort of stun or you know bluff coverage where you want to drop him back. But it's really not a waste because he still is very athletic and can defend in terms of like pass protection uh, or uh, pass defense. But I think it's just a bit of a waste to not have him out there going after the quarterback almost every play. Number one, Dan Quinn figured out how to use him last year. I think that's a huge thing. But let's keep in mind, he took a year off before his rookie season, and he's still one of the best rookie seasons for a defender of all time. 
And that right there speaks volumes. The fact he still finished second in defensive player of the year at 21, 22 years old. Yeah. I think he's 23 now. That's just unheard of. And keep in mind, when he was taking 12th overall, a lot of people aren't sure about that pick just because of the fact he hadn't planned a year, much like Jamar Chase. People thought he'd be rusty as a rookie. He had no rust almost, if I like. And versatility is the word with him. I mean, that dude is special. And honestly, while I think TJ is going to be the most productive pass rusher again in the NFL for a third straight season, I have a hard time seeing voters giving him the award again, even if he is. It's tough yeah, to do that. Tough to go dropped, back to back. He dropped because of his character concerns, too. Yes. And that was a major thing. Because I, I think with Micah, it was less about the taking a year off and more so about the reports that came out about him pre-draft and stuff. But nonetheless, like, the Cowboys got an absolute game-changer at that pick. Now, comeback player of the year, I have two players on the same team for this award. Let's hear it. <laughs> it's Jameis Winston or Michael Thomas. That Those are my guys. I think Jameis Winston coming off his torn ACL. Last year, he was on pace to have a really great season. I think this year with the added offensive weapons, he's going to have the stats to back up a comeback, uh, the comeback player of the year case. And then Michael Thomas. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been himself in the last two seasons. If he can go for 1,200, 1,300 yards, He's easily the winner of this award. But then that begs the question, if Michael Thomas is ultra productive, that most likely means Jameis Winston is having a good season, which then means that as the quarterback, he's going to be favored in this award. So because that's why it's hard for me to pick Jameis or MT, but I'm going with either Jameis Winston or Michael Thomas. I have MT as well, at least for the the favorite. I also have a dark horse as well. I know People probably say I've been low on Michael Thomas over these last few months, but the only reason I've been low on him is I never know if he's going to play. Is he going to play week one? Is he going to be on the field for five games, for ten games, for no games? So these last few weeks, all the reports are saying that Michael Thomas is expected to be full go by week one. Michael Thomas is full go by week one. He's right back into that conversation as one of the better receivers in the NFL. I don't know if you could automatically put him up there in that top five with the Jettas, Cups, you know, Jamar Chases, all of those guys, Devontae Adams. But at the very minimum, he's around that top 15, even after taking a year and a half off not being on the football field. My dark horse, though, is going to be Cam Akers. This is someone who in 2020, when he got the, the workload, the full backfield, the second half of the year, his breakout game was against the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. Sean McVay likes having a workhorse back. Now, Cam Akers and Henderson are both dealing with some soft tissue injuries. I don't think either of them are going to be playing in the preseason but if Cam Akers is the Cam Akers we saw in 2020 and he has the whole backfield to himself on an explosive offense on a team that's going to win a ton of games, he could rush for 1,200 yards. He could have 10 touchdowns and put up the numbers to win this award. First off, Jameis, you're just gonna, I'm high on the Saints this year, but you're just going to ride that ship whether or not it sinks or sails. Because last year that was your pick as well, Jameis. It was. ACL. He should have won it last year. He played five games. And I'm saying Six. if he stayed healthy, yeah. he would have won oh. it. Maybe. Who he won also, Zach? I, or Joe Burrow won it. One of those. Yeah. But his touchdown percentage was also just extremely unreal. Like, it wasn't going to happen, you know? I believe. You're so disrespectful. It's true. Bro, he had, a, he had a game where he threw 20 passes at five touchdowns. Just unsustainable. That's what I'm looking for. Well, my pick, I'm surprised this guy hasn't been mentioned, is Lamar Jackson. And this is coming from a Steeler fan. You think he could win comeback player of the year? And the reason why is the Ravens last year got off to a hot start, 5-1, and one, and they missed the playoffs. I don't know if anyone really expected that coming to last year until the injuries started to pile up. Now we're going to get the running backs back. And Tyler Lindenbaum, who to me is the best center prospect in the draft. The defense will be fully stocked up, but the corners coming back. I look at Lamar and his improvement as a passer when he drew his first four seasons. 
Last year, he did throw for a career high in yards per game, but 13 or 16 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. It doesn't look pretty on the box score. I think this year will be a, a year where he establishes himself yet again as an MVP, MVP caliber player. And I don't know if he'll be top three in the race, but to me, Lamar is top seven quarterback. And every single week, you have to account for his rushing ability no matter what. And while he continues to grow, he's just the type of player that's going to keep getting better and better, in my opinion. And for me, I think he is number one, the number two, Derrick Henry. Just because that man last year, 107 yards a game, he's an absolute animal. And so long as he can stay healthy this year, he's going to maybe get 2,000 yards, we'll see. Wow. He's going to get back to 2K? If he can play all 17 games. That's the big question mark with him. I'm I'm actually under the assumption that Derrick Henry is going to miss some games next I'm season. A, I'm a, this is the first year I'm a little weary of Henry just because 28 is really that age apex for running backs, plus he just had his first serious injury of his career. But you're right, if he's on the field and playing, even if he's not super efficient, like those last few games before he got hurt, he really wasn't that efficient. They were just giving him 28 touches, so he's going to get 100 yards, you know? So as long as he's on the field, he's going to put up numbers. One thing I'll say real quick. They didn't start giving the ball into his third year, though. And Correct. so yes. this is really his fourth season as a bell cow. He missed. But I think what, he played four years year? at Bama, didn't he? It's a good question. I, check. I, I think he did. Yeah, he is 28 years old. That's always three yeah. years. Oh, he's at three years? Okay. Yeah. And his first year there, he wasn't really much of a workhorse. 35 attempts his first season. So I have a lot of faith in Kane Henry. Um, yeah, he. I think he could finish top 10 all time in rushing yards. I, I think. Where's he at right now? Right now, he's like 20 something, I think. How many do you know how many yards away he is? I'll look it up while you're gone. Offensive rookie of the year. I was going to pick between two running backs, Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. Those are the easy ones, right? Um, I th- but I think that's a little bit too easy. Okay. And also, they're not the best, they're not the most ideal situations. Mm-hmm. Seattle, if Rashad Penny comes back, less touches for Kenneth. I think with the Jets, although Brees Hall, I think, is better than Mike Carter. Mike Carter will get some touches in the backfield. I'm picking between two receivers, and I'm not picking between two highly touted, at least one of them, receiver prospects. The first guy I'm going with is Chris Olave. I think, I think, I think Chris Olave is going to be a star in this league. I do. I, I think Chris Olave is going to be a star. He's going to have a fantastic rookie season. He's been dominating in camp against the Saints defense that is elite. And I'm not, I'm not going to say dominating, but he's been doing very good in camp. And then today in joint practices, he went against Jair Alexander, and he did his thing against him. If he can do that, then Chris Olave, to me, at least from the reports that I've read, has proven himself as somebody that can be a star receiver in this league. And I think Chris Olave is winning offensive rookie of the year. And if it's not Chris Olave, it's, it's got to be Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce is Matt Ryan's number two wide receiver. We've seen seen Matt Ryan with last year with Kyle Pitts have Kyle Pitts have one of the most productive tight end seasons, rookie tight end seasons of all time. Kyle Pitts and Alec Pierce aren't in the same universe of prospects. I know they're not the same level of prospects, but Matt Ryan's going to make his life much easier. You have Michael Pittman there, then there's not a solidified number two. Paris Campbell's a slot, but he's always a concern to get hurt. Oh, is he? Al- yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? I never said he wasn't. But Alec Pierce is somebody who's a freak. He's 6'3", runs a 4'4", has really nice hands. This guy is going to have a fantastic rookie season. What does fantastic, fantastic mean for you? 
I think he'll get anywhere between 700 to 1,000 yards. I solid. think it's possible. I think that'd most, be the best number two the Colts have had in a long time. I think most likely seven hundred to nine hundred yards. I think. So you think MT oh, just going back to Alave could put up that twelve thirteen hundred yards and Alave still get his? I think Alave. Yeah, I think he still get his. I think he's going to be the number two behind. I agree. MT. I don't think it's Jarvis Landry. I Either. think it's Chris Olave. And knowing that Jameis likes to take shots down the field, Chris Olave is the perfect receiver for that type of play style. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think those are the two guys I have it as offense for good of the year. Like you said, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are the easy ones. I do think Brees Hall is going to win this award. A running back hasn't won it since 2018. That was Saquon the year before. I think Alvin Kamara won it. Uh, the last few years been receivers, quarterbacks. Um, I think he's just really the most skilled person in this draft. I think Brees Hall, out of all the receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs, he's just the most skilled person at his position. I know Mike Carter is there, and he's going to get some work, but there's really only a handful of running backs who are true workhorses who get... 80-plus percent of all of the carries. Brees Hall is going to get more than enough to put up 1,000 total yards, get maybe 10 total touchdowns as well. I just think he's a really good prospect. But I want to talk about my dark horse. My dark horse is going to be Sky Moore, wide receiver from the Kansas City Chiefs. This was a guy who I was a bit higher on coming out of the coming out of the drafts. I just think he has all the tools to be able to be a wide receiver one. I know he's only 5'10", but at the end of the day... I think all of his other skills make up for, I think for his size, he's physical, he has the speed, he's quick, he has great hands, good route running. So I think all of those physical tools make up for his lack of height. And even 5'10 is still enough to be able to contribute in this league. He's looked really good in camp, looked really good in the preseason. He had a great toe uh, toe tap um, in the game, their first game, wherever they played. And Mahomes has been looking for him. He has the opportunity with just Juju and MVS there to be the number one wide receiver, McCole Hardman, got hurt today as well. We know Kelsey is going to be the number one receiver, but in terms of having a year, Kelsey could put up his his numbers, and and Sky Moore can still put up a thousand yards if he ends up being the number one receiver and the second most targeted player on the team. So Derrick Henry, before I was saying he finished top ten rushing yards, he's seventy first, not top twenty. Uh, oh, six six k away from the top ten Oof. in the tenth spot. Six k is a lot. It is a lot. Six k is a lot, but he can cover that in like four seasons. Thirty two. I was going to say, he's going to have to put up 1,500 yards, 30, 31, 30. Like, that's, you know. I look at guys like Jerome Bettis in that list, and I say Derek Henry could be a part of that company. Yeah. No, I know. But I, I just feel like the longevity is not there like it used to be. That's fair. And they don't have an elite offensive line. So, my pick, yeah, Chris Olave. Chris Whether or not Michael Thomas is healthy, to me, he reminds me a lot of another receiver in their division, Chris Godwin. He didn't run, um, I'm talking about not Chris Godwin now, Chris Olave, not because they have the same first name, comparing them. He didn't run the best 40 time, but he has elite game speed and a very good route runner. And I think for Jameis last year, Marcus Callaway had 700 There's yards. There's a lot of running a great 40 time. He did? Yeah. I thought it was relative to how fast he is in game. He clocked in like 4.28. Really? I thought it was like a 4.5. The, f- the unofficial one. The, yeah, okay. the unofficial was crazy. The official was like 4.38, though. Yeah, it was still good. Still good. No, he was, good. Still, no, still he was good. fast. As, he, he clocked he was in a track star. He's, he's yeah. fast. I thought he it was lower than. I feel like he's faster on film. No, that was Traylon Burks, who was... Ran was it Traylon He ran a 4.55. Okay. He's 6'2", yeah. 220. That's fine. Yeah. But like I said before, Marcus... not as fast as Alec Pierce. Uh, he oh, clocked in... in game thing, Pierce, man. game game time, Traylon Burks clocked in at 22 miles per hour. That was faster than Jonathan Taylor last year. Onward. Yeah. On the side... Oh, do do your homework. Clocks are probably wrong. Okay. Casual. Human error. On a side note, you have Paris Campbell breaking out and Alec Pierce... At the same time, no, and I, Michael I think, Thomas I think Paris Campbell is just going to have a pretty good season. If he can stay healthy, I would yeah. agree with you. I don't think he's going to be like this breakout, like, oh, my gosh, he's a top receiver. Like, no, he's going to have a very productive season. Can you have a better year than Tyler Boyd? 
No. Can he have a better year than Corey Davis? It's possible. Okay. But I'd say no. All right, so we're looking at like the 50th best receiver in the league. That's not that bad. <laughs> Compared to where he's at right now. No, I'm trolling. And my second uh, second in command for offensive rookie of the year would be Drake London. When you look at the Atlanta offense, the way they're building it, whether it's Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter by the end of the season, they're basically just building a basketball team. Between him, Pitts, your boy on Tate, Brian Edwards is six foot three. There's so much size there. It's going to create constant mismatches for, for any defense on either side of the ball. Yeah. And I look at what Kyle Pitts did last year. He's going to be the number one there. And so long as Drake London is healthy, if you just throw it up for him, he'll be a go-getter. I wouldn't be surprised if he has 800, 900 yards, much like Kyle Pitts the last season, like half a dozen touchdowns. So I think that's a pretty safe bet, given the fact that USC you have you know top-end quarterback talent next to him. He also uh, he got injured the first week of the preseason. I know he's sitting out of camp this week. It doesn't sound too serious, but just something to keep an eye on. We're like three weeks away from the season, so he should be okay. Um, doesn't sound serious, but just something to look out on. Defensive Rookie of the Year was something that was very hard for me to predict because I wanted to go maybe with one of the top edge rushers, whether it be Aiden or Kayvon. I wasn't super comfortable in doing so. George Karloftis was very tempting, looking like the filet mignon. Maybe talking about wanted to get George Karloftis. That's crazy. But I couldn't quite put so much faith in Karloftis. Then we talk about the corners, of course, sauce on the Jets. But how often do corners win that award? Doesn't very doesn't happen a lot. It's twice in the last decade. Marcus Peters in 2015 and Marshawn Lattimore in 2017. Yeah, and I don't think Sauce is one of those corners that's going to get targeted a lot to where he's going to get so many interceptions. Mm-hmm. My guy's Jordan Davis, Philadelphia. I think Jordan Davis is he's unguardable. He can't be double teamed. He's going to dominate in in the run, in run defense. I think in pass snap and passing snaps, he's also gonna be gonna do pretty good because maybe maybe he can rack up maybe four sacks for the year, four or five sacks as an interior player. That's pretty amazing. So I think that Jordan Davis is gonna win defensive rookie of the year. I think he'd be my favorite right now. I was also torn between the top guys. Walker and Hutchinson both look good in their first preseason game and out of camp I've just heard good things from them really. But I do think Jordan Davis Similar to we we're talking about Micah Parsons, where you could just look at the screen and say, wow, that guy's different. I think Jordan Davis can have a lot of those moments in the interior, just straight up manhandling people, just being stronger than these grown ass men. And he's comes in the league at 21, 22 years old. He's going to have a lot of moments. You're right. I don't know if the numbers are going to be there, but I just think he's going to be someone everyone talks about just being this dominant force right away. It might be hard because he doesn't have the full sack number. So a guy like Hutchinson or Trayvon or Jermaine Johnson or one of these other edge rushers who might have more opportunities on the edge compared to the interior. Um, but I think Jordan Davis can have a really impressive rookie year. Quay Walker's also a sleeper pick. That right there is one of my three candidates. I'm going with Dane Hutchinson. I initially thought Trayvon Walker, but I don't think he's a productive enough pass rusher right, or just uh, a capable enough one right now. But I think in terms of this point up sacks on the edge, Aiden Hutchinson this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he has eight. And you're saying with Jordan Davis, I think he's going to be an absolute wrecking ball. That defensive line is insane, but I'm not sure if the production will be anywhere near what it can be for a Derek Stinley, let's say, if teams are targeting him with his ball skills so long as he is healthy. That, to me, is one of the top three options. But I think with Hutchinson in Detroit, there is a little bit of a little moxie there. I have a good feeling about him coming into the league. I like him a lot. So I feel like... 
if there's any pass rusher that will win it. Because last, what, last three years it's been a pass rusher, I think it would be in Hutchinson. And on to the last award, Coach of the Year. Now, I may have given a sneak peek earlier. I think the Chargers are going to be the best team in the AFC, which means Brandon Staley will be the Coach of the Year. I have Brandon Staley winning Coach of the Year. That's interesting. I'm going with Kyle Shanahan. Hasn't won it yet. Someone that everyone regards as one of the best head coaches in the league. And similar to the Bucks, the Rams are a team I'm not souring on, but a little nervous about Matt Stafford and his elbow injury. If he's not 100% or if he's not able to go, the 49ers have a chance to get off to a hot start. If he's able to prove Trey Lance is the franchise quarterback, and as long as their offense looks like it always has, which I'm sure it will, the defense being healthy, if they could be the division champs, get a number one, two seed, you know, upset the Rams, who everyone's kind of expecting to win that division again, I think I think Shanahan has a good chance. Also, my dark horse, though, is going to be Kevin O'Connell of the Vikings. I don't know if you were going to go with him, but that's my dark horse. There are a lot of fun plays here, like Dennis Allen in New Orleans, if they make the playoffs. I'm a little bit disappointed. I wanted to go with Frank Reich, and you didn't. I am going with Frank Reich because he's the most underrated coach in football, and quite honestly, you think he is? Yeah, I, I, I do feel think like, he is. I feel like Frank Wright has almost gotten... He's a good coach, no, so don't got, take this the wrong way. He just got Doug Peterson a job in Jacksonville. Without him, yeah, I don't know if he's You're not wrong, still. but I feel like everyone says how great of a head coach Frank Reich has, and it's probably because the Colts just haven't gotten the quarterback right yet. Just, you know, nothing in the playoffs yet. The guy came on. He only had one year with Andrew Locke. Yeah, right? for sure. He was then he had 0-5. Then he had Ravens, I mean, uh, Rivers. and But Locke was Lentz. able to figure it out and had maybe his best season his last year. You finally have the quarterback in Indianapolis. They're going to be a playoff team. To me, I don't think they're going to be number one. I think the Bills will be. Though they have an insanely tough schedule in Buffalo. I have a lot of faith in them this year. I do think the Colts will win the ASC South rather easily. I think their floor may be a little bit lower than Tennessee, but I have them winning it. And they're going to be a top two or three seed to me. You think so? And I'm hoping this is a year where some respect is put on Frank Reich's name because Indianapolis is getting up there at Kansas City and Pittsburgh and even New England, of course, with Bill Belichick is some of the most stable organizations. You had the consistency, you had the continuity everywhere except for the quarterback spot. So top th- two or three seeds. So you got Buffalo, I know, right? You think they could have a better record than the Chargers? Yeah. Yes, easily. Jesus Christ. Without a doubt. The Chiefs? I have them in the same ballpark, but I have the Chiefs. Again, the Bengals? I have them in the same ballpark. Oh, as well. oh who are we taking here? Those you have my, them as the two, my top two, three. Winners. I have the Chiefs playing their division. I know, but you, as a top two, three seed, I want to know who are those, like, who are that you have them over? I think the Bengals have a tougher schedule this year, and okay. there's some, some regression. Because like we were talking about last year, maybe yes, a little bit of regression to the mean. Listen, I and think I'm Baltimore's winning the division. I think I think Baltimore has a Colts better chance. Are a better team than the Colts. The Colts are a better team no, than the Colts? No, the Colts are a better team than the Ravens. Hmm. Maybe. Disagree. AFC North Got football. Got a more versatile quarterback. AFC North, AFC North football is war of attrition. Yes. Every single season. It's true. Doesn't matter who you think is the going to be the, the winner. Because last year, everyone had Cleveland. So many of them had Cleveland going to the Super Bowl. Did they make the playoffs last year? No. But also, but you're right about, about the this, though. The Colts did find a quarterback in Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, for a year or two, probably. Like, a guy who's not going to lose you games. He's not going to be Carson you, Wentz. He's seen a guy right now playing until he's 45. Tom Brady. We don't compare anyone to Tom Brady. Matt Ryan. We don't, we're not comparing that, Matt Ryan that, to Tom Brady, right bro. If Tom Brady can play until 45, no, stop, Matt Ryan stop, can stop, play until stop, 41 stop, at least. Stop, 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 41? Stop. No. He can play in 41. He's going to be throwing 2,800 yards a game. I mean, a season. Uh, 2,800 yards a game. Be impressive. He might be yeah. Joe Flacco at 41. No, I have to put disrespect on his name. That's a starting level quarterback. According to Robert Sala. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Also, the AFC North is a war of attrition, but also, like, this year... 
if Deshaun, it's it seems like they're going to have a settlement between the NFLPA and Deshaun or the NFL and Deshaun Watson. So if he does take a deal and it's originally six, I think the NFL wants a year. Let's say they just go with ten games. Cleveland's out of it, yeah. and you got the Steelers who. I'm not that high on with Mitch or Kenny Pickett, whoever ends up starting. So to me, it's really just the Bengals and Ravens in that division. So I don't look at it as like this gruesome, like sure, the defenses and, you know, just the physicality that's there. But I think overall, it's just going to be the Ravens and Bengals and the AFC North. But the, the AFC South, it's the Colts and like maybe the Titans and do the Jaguars take a step, but they're probably not going to be near the Colts. But I've got a question for you. Who were your two teams going into last year in 2021, the AFC North? That you're expecting to win. Your top uh, two teams against North. Baltimore and, yeah, probably Cleveland or Pittsburgh. Not not, not Cincy, no way. Yeah, no one had Cincinnati, and yeah. they won the division because of injuries. The year before 2020, who won the division? wasn't Baltimore. It was Pittsburgh. I don't very think they started goal. off 11-0. In 2020, they won the, the, the Bengals. No, I'm saying the Steelers. Bengals won a division because Joe Burrow showed how great of a quarterback well, he is. The Bengals well, were eight, yes. the Bengals were eight and three. Great. I mean, the Ravens were eight and three, and they were the one seed before oh, Lamar got hurt. I understand that, but they're better than Cleveland because they're better than Cleveland. They're better than let's, the Steelers let's because they're the better than Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Steelers, a yes. Cincy, they beat the Ravens twice. Dominated them. They dominated the Steelers as well. I mean, it wasn't even close. But a big reason mm-hmm. for that is because they ran all over those teams like the Steelers because the Steelers were ravaged up front, and now they have reinforcements and better depth at those spots on their defense. So they I think did, they year, pass on the Ravens. You're talking about the Bengals. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about the Steelers now. They okay. ran all over the Steelers. Well, the Steelers can get beat in multiple different ways. Joe Burrow's going to tear them apart regardless. But he had 900 total yards in two games versus the Ravens yeah, they were yeah, last year. They're Where were the Ravens' stringers. corners? They're playing third stringers. It doesn't matter. They still can't Against guard. Against a team that blitzes um, that mean, much, Jam- it doesn't matter. Marlon Humphrey played. Jamar Chase at the spin Marcus cycle Peters. left him in the dust and embarrassed him. Jamar had a good Marcus game. Peters there. It's one of the best, best talking about? in the game. Um, I do think since his roster probably is better than Cleveland's, it's close. But they're probably are. just because wide receiver, I just put so much emphasis on that. And having Jamar Chase and Higgins compared to Amari Cooper and really nobody, I would take. That really puts it over the edge for me. Recapping our NFL awards. These are NFL awards predictions for the 2022 NFL season. MVP, Joe Burrow. Offensive Player of the Year, Justin Jefferson. Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons. Comeback Player of the Year, Jameis Winston. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Chris Olave. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Jordan Davis. And Coach of the Year, Brandon Staley. My MVP is going to be Justin Herbert. Offensive Player of the Year, Justin Jefferson. Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons. Comeback player of the year, Michael Thomas. Offensive rookie of the year, Brees Hall. Defensive rookie of the year, Aiden Hutchinson. Coach of the year, Kyle Shanahan. My MVP is Josh Allen. My offensive player of the year is Justin Jefferson. My defensive player of the year is Micah Parsons. My offensive rookie of the year is Chris Olave. My defensive rookie of the year is Aiden Hutchinson. My comeback player of the year is Lamar Jackson. My coach of the year is Frank Reich. And that's it. Yep, that's it. Moving on. The Packers' wide receiver problems is kind of glaring to Aaron Rodgers, at least, I think. Now, I think everybody thought this was going to be an issue, but Aaron Rodgers yesterday said the young guys, especially young receivers, we've got to be way more consistent, Rodgers said. A lot of drops, a lot of bad route decisions, running the wrong route, we've got to be better in that area. Now, Christian Watson is back in practice. Romeo Dubs is their fourth-round receiver they're raving about. So right now, the the starting wide receivers for the Packers look like Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, and then you can add in the young guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs onto there. I think, I think it's pronounced Dobbs. 
Dobbs. I think. Romeo Dobbs. Romeo, Romeo. Dobbs. Call Romeo. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers said that he believes Alan Lazard can be a number one wide receiver. Feel bad for That's him. That's what he said. Alan Lazard has had five to thir- he had five to thirteen yards last year and eight touchdowns. So almost a double digit touchdowns. Not bad. That's not horrible. It's not. That's not bad. So what do you think about the Packers wide receiver problems in another topic, subtopic oh. in this? Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Because Jordan Love finally got the chance to play. He threw three interceptions, although <laughs> one the, stat, the box score may have mm. fooled you. One. one. Do you think there's still hope for Jordan Love in the in this Packers on this Packers organization? You want to start with the receivers or Jordan Love? The receivers. Receivers. I don't know why this is a news story. The second they traded Devontae Adams, everybody knew, not just us at this table, everybody in the league knew that they needed wide receiver help, right? You lose Devontae, and we already knew that Underneath Tay, in that depth chart, there wasn't much of anything. I'm not an Alan Lazard guy. You lose MVS to the Chiefs. You bring in Randall Cobb, who's not what he used to be. And you sign Sammy Watkins, draft Christian Watson, who I thought was a reach at 34, 35. Romeo Dobbs has been a surprise of camp, someone that I don't think anyone was expecting to contribute right away in year one. But he's been fantastic. They just they didn't do anything to fix it. You don't have any black backup plan right now. You have You're relying on two rookies. That is a dangerous game if you're, especially Aaron Rodgers, a veteran quarterback who we saw just in the in the divisional game against the Niners, he threw it to two guys. It was Aaron Jones and it was Devontae Adams. Nobody else was even getting a look. I think their tight end got maybe one or two targets. So for Aaron Rodgers, you need to be usually a veteran and someone who is reliable, runs the right routes, catches the ball like he said in this quote. Now you're relying on two rookies, one guy coming from the FCS. I'm not sure where Romeo Dobbs went to school, but you have one guy coming from North Dakota State who didn't really wasn't on a pass-heavy offense. I think he had seven, 800 yards this, this last season, his senior year. Now he's coming in and expecting a ton from one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. You're asking a lot out of these rookie receivers. I just don't think anyone on this team is viable enough to be a number one option as of right now. I'm not really high on Christian Watson being a number one at any point in his career, truthfully. I think he could be a nice deep option, but not someone that you're going to be relying on. But moving on to Jordan Love, I think there were some good and some bad with Jordan Love here. I know you're the the resident Jordan Love truther. You think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. I don't exactly see that. I went back, watched all of his throws in this, this preseason game. There's some good, there's some bad, right? I think he shows flashes with his mobility, arm strength. He has zip on the ball. He showed some touch, too, with a touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. So there are some things that I see while watching a film. I say, okay, this could translate. This could be good enough. But unfortunately for Love, I just don't see it consistently enough. I see times where he makes nice plays, and I see times where he misses a wide-open check-down route. That's not something for your franchise guy you could really afford to do. Talking about the three interceptions, one 100% wasn't his fault. He threw it right to the receiver, bounced off his chest, intercepted. I know both of you guys think the second interception wasn't his fault where he kind of got the ball ripped out of his hands, but if you watch the play, it was terrible ball placement. It should have been closer to the sideline on the outside. Instead, the receiver had to readjust his body and catch it up here. He probably should have came down with it, but at the end of the day, if that if that's Aaron Rodgers on the field, that's a completion because he's going to put it in the right spot with better ball placement. I'm not expecting Love to be Aaron Rodgers, but I'm not exactly well, giving him the benefit I, I, of the doubt because it wasn't good ball placement. I don't know because Aaron Rodgers talked about how the young receivers are dropping balls in practice. So maybe uh, maybe Aaron, it's not a completion, but it's a drop. It's not an interception. I mean, if he doesn't catch it, it bounces off his hands. It's, there's if, if it drops off his hands, it hits the floor unless it hits his foot and it bounces off or some weird shit. He did one, one thing I would say about him though. Um, the touchdown I really liked Romeo Dobbs, right? He did show touch and a little bit of anticipation. Throw. The back shoulder throw, which 
was kind of back shoulder. It was more of just the corner was caught lacking, honestly. Like, it wasn't a typical back shoulder throw. Like, it was kind of another throw. The guy went and got it. But regardless, I think he did show some good things. I just, if he's not doing it consistently, he didn't push the ball down the field a lot. He hit an 8 dot of 8.5. So, it's not like he was consistently pushing the ball down the field. Jordan Love, we'll see what happens. To me, he doesn't do it consistently enough for me to believe that he's going to be a franchise guy. He's not on the field consistently enough. Even in the preseason, even in the couple games he starts, like during the season where Rodgers missed COVID or week 17, 18, he's still, he, it's never consistent enough. And it is hard if you don't get those reps consistently to be consistent on the field. You know you know what I mean? Um, I want to see more in the preseason. You're, this is going into year three of Jordan Love, right? You should be pretty damn good in the preseason at this point because basically this is all you play. I would expect a little bit more. Was that his first preseason game? Because he was hurt last preseason. No, it wasn't. And then was the year like before, he didn't have it going to his rookie he year. He played in the preseason last year. It was, what, maybe one game? Two. Two? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, starting off with the receivers, I'm going to start off there, I guess. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be playing their 11 best guys. They're going to be running a lot of double running back looks. And oftentimes, this can be Alan Lazard, who's a great blocker, yeah, by the way. Yeah, Rodgers said that it, it's realistic that Dylan and Aaron Jones get 50 catches apiece. Yeah, Dylan would be, I don't know. If he's, he a, he's a good pass catcher. Yeah. Okay, Not as good as Aaron Jones, but he's yeah. still good. a lot. I think the big thing with the Packers that we're not really looking closely enough at is that that defense, as they're continuing, I, I was not a big fan of the Quay Walker pick. I'm big on George Pickens. I know a lot of Packers fans have already heard a ton about that. They could have took Christian Watson in the first round and George Pickens with the pick they trade up to get in the second. I, I never it. take Christian Watson, just take Pickens. Watson has maybe one of the three highest ceilings in this draft, though. Who? Christian Watson. I have all the mm. receivers I'm talking about. Mm. I disagree. Okay, there's a lot of receivers. We'll go four to five. And there's a lot. That says a lot because there's George Pickens, Jameson Williams, Alave, all those players. I mean, he is right up there. But more specifically with, with this team, the defense is good enough to lead them in fall. And so the, their offense doesn't have to put up 30 points a game. What you're really looking for is an offense that will not be on film for the postseason because – we don't care what the Packers are doing in September. We don't care what they're doing in October. What matters if you're going to ink Aaron Rodgers, this massive extension, the last giant one I think he's going to get in his career before he retires, you're trying to win a Super Bowl. And so you want to get lightning in a bottle. You want to get that flash on the season, much like the Bengals did last season, where it all just clicked for them going to the playoffs. They got a little bit of fortune with the opponents they're playing. The Packers don't have to be perfect the first eight weeks of the season, but you just want to see the progression with, of course, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs as the season goes on. The veterans are just there for protection because Rodgers has played with Alan Lazard for three seasons. Randall Cobb is the only reason why he's in there is because they've had that connection. And so they can hold you over until you get to the month of December. And I think that's really where the Packers will tell us whether or not this is a true Super Bowl contender or another year in Green Bay where they lose the 49ers in the playoffs. you think there's a chance they sign Odell? There is a chance. He does every year at them, I feel like. I, no, you're not yeah. wrong. You're not wrong. It's not Odell, but it's some but some high name receiver. Like, oh, should the Packers Will go and Fuller? get them? Will Fuller? No, I don't see it. They need someone. I think Green Bay is going to be fine. I think their problems at receiver are definitely evident. But I do think Alan Lazard is going to have a pretty good year. Define I, good. I think he's going to have a thousand yards. Ooh. You want to put a bet on that? Oh, <laughs> let's do it. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I'll do it. I'll take the I, under. I think I think he is their number one receiver. What are you, what are you putting on default. this? That's wild. You could put a hundred dollars on it. Hey, I'm I'm putting it in my in my notes, man. Right, do it right now. Let's Alan Lazard is their best receiver. Aaron Rodgers trusts him the most. I think Alan Lazard is going to be in a thousand yard receiver for the Packers. I do. 
I think there's no doubt about it. And I think whoever comes up second is going to, is going to be, you know, a question mark. I don't believe in Sammy Watkins. I don't believe in Randall Cobb. I don't know about Christian Watson right now and the injuries he's been dealing with so far early in camp. I don't know about Romeo Dubs, whether or not he's going to be good right away. But I do know that Rodgers trusts two receivers that the Packers have right now, two receiving options, Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon, who's coming back. How much does he trust Alan Lazard? Because in the playoff game, he didn't trust Alan Lazard. I think he trusts him enough to give him eight touchdowns. That's not not a thousand yards. 513 yards. Yeah, but, you know, now he's going to be the X receiver in this offense, which means that he's going to be the main target, which means he's going to. Someone has to get throwing the yeah, ball. Yeah, and it's going to be him. That's basically, and, and that's gonna, how I look at Alan Lazard. Somebody's got to get the ball in the offense. But, ulti- the but ultimately, backs. I view Green Bay the same way I, u- I view the 2019 49ers, where that year their best receiver was Kendrick Bourne, and then they made a midseason trade acquire Emmanuel Sanders. Mm. I do think Green Bay is going to acquire. They still Kittle. Yeah, but I think Green Bay is going to acquire one of a receiver in the trade deadline. I don't know who it is going to be, but I think – there's a possibility that happens. And as for Jordan Love, I still believe in him. Now, do I think he's going to be a top five, top ten quarterback? I don't think so. But I think he's going to be a, a good quarterback in this league. I think he's going to be a top 20 quarterback. I think he can be better than guys like Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, Can guys he be better like than Jalen Hurts? Oh. He can be just as good. Okay. He can be a little better. I, I do, and I think Jordan Love What is he is, showing that makes you think that? Jordan Love is progressing at his own rate. And I, I think what, that... What does that mean? I, this is what I mean. <laughs> it's been the bad There are some quarterbacks in the NFL that failed in the NFL because they were thrown into the fire too quick. Now, had Jordan Love went to a team like, let's say, the Raiders. Let's say they moved on from Derek Carr and they just said, Jordan Love, this is your franchise. Jordan Love would be considered a bust right now because I don't think he would have been ready to play. But him learning in Green Bay, I think, is helping him develop. And... I mean, this year we're not going to see him play anyway. We're probably next year, maybe. Probably not. But really, you're you're there. This Jordan Love pick is a long term development plan. But you're gonna have to pay him. This is year three. For wait, another year, it's year four. Now it's year five. You have a fifth year option. You have to pay him twenty five million, thirty million for it's the 20, year five option. Plus. I think Jordan Love is going to be a good quarterback. Better than Jalen Hurts. I just don't know what he has shown because he's not on the field. And I don't, he's not progressing at his own rate, bro. He's been a backup. He doesn't have a mm. choice. It's not like he's out there like competing for the starting job. He has no chance of starting. All I know is that in that preseason game, he didn't. one of the more – It's probably one of the best performances I've seen from he him. He wasn't even the most impressive quarterback on the field. Well, Trey Lance is good. Trey Lance is really him. good. But Jordan Love, he showed poised. Some of the, he played some of the most poised football I've seen from him. Oh, my God. I could throw up. I got a few questions for y'all. First off, for Aaron Rodgers, he was a backup his first four seasons, and it wasn't until really year three, year four, where he started to take off. But when you look at that 2020 class for quarterbacks, they always said, I've talked about this on my guys off the air, you have Joe Burrow, you have Justin Herbert, we know those are massive Superstars. hits at quarterback. Yes. Then you have Tua, you have Jordan Love. Some people had Jordan Love above Justin Herbert coming into the draft. I mean, that was not an uncommon belief back then. And then you have Jalen Hurts. Out of those three quarterbacks in that latter half, Jordan Love, Tua Tugel, I can't say his last name, Tua, and Jalen Hurts, I only think one of those guys will hit. And honestly, I think it's going to be Jordan Love. Well, I would think, I think Hurts and Tua have hit already. Have they hit? Because you can replace More Tua than with, Jordan Love. 
in terms of like when I say hit, I mean a top fifteen quarterback above average. I think Hurts is fifteen right now. Oh, why? You could fifteen or mm. I have fifteen. I have him fifteen Ooh. or sixteen. I have him above guys <laughs> like Tannehill. He's not better than Tannehill right now. I, I think Tendi. he is. He's just in a way better offensive system. Yeah, he's going to put up better numbers with Tannehill next, yeah, next year. Like Tannehill might be out of a job. Tannehill might not be a starter in 2023. Yeah, Tannehill's in a shit situation right now, offensively. He's and But he doesn't do much to elevate guys around him. Or him. Well, or he can, doesn't have mobility, well, too, like Hurts does. Hurts elevate guys? Let's see what he does with A.J. Brown this year. Devontae Smith just had a great rookie season. And well, in, a, in, a, in a run first in offense. Still. He was. Well, we got to go over this real quick. Jalen Hurts or Dak Prescott? Dak. Jalen Hurts or Dak Matt Ryan? Matt I Ryan. have Matt Ryan one spot ahead of Jalen Hurts, but, but it's there's close. a gap between them. There's not much of a gap. Yes, there's, there, a gap. there's a there's huge not, there's gap. There's not much of a gap. Them. There's not. There's really not much of a gap. You know, like watch Drake that playoff said, game. That was your like, take. Like Drake said, yeah. Well, it was a it was a terrible matchup for him. Like Drake said, the best rush defense in the league. Like Drake said, it's a huge gap between us in the game. When I die, put my money in the grave. When I die, put there's, my money there's in not the a, grave. There's not a huge gap between Matt Ryan. Yeah, there and is. There's a huge gap between them in the game. There's not. There's, There's a huge not. gap between them in the game. I have Matt Ryan one spot ahead of him, so I'll give him that respect. But it's not Jalen Hurts is not on Matt Ryan's level, bro. Let's stop this. You're, just, you're being too disrespectful. Kirk Cousins or Jalen Hurts? Kirk Cousins, that's easy. Kirk. He clears him. Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts. It's Mac Jones. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's Go not. Far, yes, it is, what? bro. What? Mac Jones is a better quarterback than him. Why? Because he's a better thrower of the football. He's more accurate than that's him. He's more really accurate. Close. That's Jalen really Hurts it. Jalen Hurts has completed 59% of his passes in his first two seasons. He completed he's like literally... 62% last year. It was his rookie year where he started four games. You're going to take that 58% or whatever it was, bro? You know, Stop You it. know what's Stop funny? When, when, when Jordan Love completed 62% of his passes in the preseason, you scoffed at it. But Jalen Hurts does it for a season, and you're like, oh, look. I never said – I my number one knock on Jalen Hurts was this offseason, he has to become a more accurate passer. I never called him accurate. Okay. The only thing Mac Jones does better than Jalen Hurts, he's a more accurate passer, but he doesn't blow he you away with – He doesn't blow you away with athleticism. He's not mobile. He doesn't have a big arm. He's just accurate. He's going to be a guy that you're going to look at just like – not even on a Kirk Cousins level. I think Kirk Cousins is absolute ceiling. You're going to look at him like – yeah, he gets the job done, but I want someone better. I want someone who's going to elevate my team and be explosive. That's not Mac hurts. Jones doesn't do that. Jalen Hurts at least is mobile. He can make throws on the run. When things are chaotic and th- and the offensive line is breaking down, Hurts can make plays happen. Mac Jones doesn't have that ability. He doesn't. He he simply doesn't. It's Mac Jones just, is a fine just, quarterback. Just because he doesn't have that ability doesn't mean that he's not a better quarterback. You're Kirk just being Cousins, safe all, with Mac. You're no, just being safe. All, all those all those traits you mentioned, extending plays, oh, moving, using your legs. Kirk Cousins does none of that. And he's, I a, know. he's a significantly better quarterback I, than Jalen Hurts. But I don't think Mac Jones, Mac Jones' ceiling is Kirk Cousins. That's his ceiling. We're judging Mac Jones. For one, he won offensive rookie of the year. Let's get that straight. Sick. We, he won offensive rookie of the year. In a Patriots offensive system led by McDaniels, great play caller, but that didn't have, I have a question. true great receiving options. I have a question. Devontae Smith, yes or no, would he not have been the best receiver on the Patriots last season? Yeah. Would he not be the best receiver on the Patriots this season? Yes. Okay, that's it. Would Dallas Goddard not be the best tight end on the Patriots this season and last season? They didn't season? use their – Hunter Henry had a great year. But it's who's close, better? But Goddard. Uh, yeah, I'd get. I'd it's take Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Goddard. And now Hurts are telling me has AJ, AJ Brown. Brown. Am I supposed to take this away from Hurts because Philly knows who how has, to put an offense who, together, wait, and the has, Patriots are playing in 1980? Who, but, but like listen, I should this, be. Like Hurts should be. This is what I'm saying. Who has a better offensive line? Philly. Okay. 
Last the, but year, the Pats all line's la- good. Last year, Philly had the best a, offensive line football. Last year, Pats all line's good, but Philly, yes, Philly's offensive line's elite. Last year, the Eagles had a better offensive line, better receivers, better tight end, and Mac Jones still was better than Jalen Hurts as a rookie. And he got in smoked in the playoffs too. They system. both got smoked. Now let's say this: but yeah. Mac Jones looked better in his game. How much better from Mac right Jones now? Was not I want to know from right now how much better can Mac Jones get. How from Mac Jones this season? How much better can he get? He can definitely work on his arm strength. He can work on his ball placement. He can work on reading the field better. He can work on reading defenses better. This this so Mac Jones things. that we saw. This is Mac Jones. This is who he's gonna be. He's not gonna make any massive progress. If Jalen Hurts could work in the offseason like he did last year, having a great camp, <laughs> getting a number one wide receiver, he could progress as a and passer. You're, and you're strictly only saying that off the basis that Mac Jones isn't athletic. I'm saying that because he has a limited saying. ceiling. That, but, it's not just athleticism. He doesn't blow you away with arm that, talent, that does limited he? Ceiling he doesn't have he doesn't zip on the ball plays. like other guys. But that, he has more than Jalen Hurts? Mm. <laughs> mm, I don't think so. I really don't. I saw Jalen Hurts roll out of the pocket against the Jets through a 20-yard strike right on the money. Bang. 25 yards. Quez Watkins. I saw that. Play one. I, I've never seen Mac do that in my life. It's not just the mobility. The mobility makes things easier to see with the eyes. But Mac Jones doesn't have... I'm not saying Jalen Hurts has elite arm talent. Mac, but Jones, Mac Jones has better pocket presence by far than Hurts. Because he has to. To be honest, he but has to. What do you to. mean? But he's still better in the pocket he, than him. Yeah, he has to. Great quarterbacks have are great in the pocket. Um, You can't be a great quarterback and not be great in the pocket. Correct. You do. But it, being great in the pocket and pocket presence... Just being consi- not consistent, but executing in the pocket, I would say. Pocket presence, extra in the pocket, and Mac some Jones different is better. Yeah, but he's not going to get much better than this. Jalen Hurts, if Jalen Hurts improves as a passer, we're talking about him as a top 13 quarterback. We'll see. Now, let me say this. I'm about to talk up Mac real quick. First off, Mac's coach is Bill Belichick, which does offset a good amount of the offensive line and wide receivers slash tight end differences between the two teams. And why? it did take Nick Sirianni a while to realize, hey, we're pretty good running this football. We should start doing that more. Wait, why? Bill Belichick's is the, the better... best co- coach of all time. That's what I'm getting at here. That can offset a lot. Of that. What do you think is have a more impressive season? Not numbers. What, what do you think? Max, oh, no. This upcoming he season? Is. Jalen Hurts. Okay. But he's in a better uh, situation. Did you just roll your eyes to but, me saying Mac Jones is learning under Bill Belichick? You roll your yes, eyes to that. Because he's not an offensive coach. But he worked with Tom Brady from a defensive perspective so he can see it from the other end of the, of the field. But Tom Brady was Tom Brady. You can't compare you him. You just compared Matt Ryan to Tom Brady. Matt Ryan, hey, he's phenomenal. Stop. Stop. So you see, he's third overall pick out of Boston College. So you're disregarding like entirely Bill. Huh? So you're entirely disregarding Bill Belichick. I'm not disregarding impact. Bill you, Belichick. You rolled your eyes. From an offensive standpoint, Jalen Hurts was in a better offensive system than Mac Jones last year. I would this, the difference, this, and th- this is a good comparison because the Patriots offense, Josh McDaniels, he put training wheels on the offense, and Mac Jones wasn't forced to do too much. They didn't throw it a lot on early downs. But the same can be – they restricted Jalen Hurts much more in Philadelphia with their offense because Nick Sirianni knows that Jalen Hurts can't make certain plays. That's why they Neither ran the Mac. ball so much. But that, that's their bread and butter, running the ball, because you have a mobile quarterback. But now Mac Jones is in a situation where I don't care about that Bill Belichick point. His offensive coaches are Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So why why can I not take into account Mac's situation – 
the offensive coaching staff around him, the weapons, and because say I'm saying, you put Matt be Jones in that. You put Matt Jones. But you're in, living in a hypothetical world that doesn't Matt, exist. But you put Matt Jones in Philadelphia. I, I think they have like, a higher ceiling as a team. I don't care about that because right now Jalen Hurts is the Eagles' quarterback and Matt Jones is the Patriots' quarterback. You can't take away from Jalen Hurts because he has a good offensive line. He has weapons. No, well, you can't. Who's, if he doesn't maximize who's, it? I, who's going to be the more impressive quarterback? You just said it's going to be Jalen Hurts. So, wait, so why you, is it crazy so to say I'd rather think, have Hurts than than Mac? You think Jalen Hurts can? Elevate guys, right? Yes. Okay, you do. Yes. What, I have what, I have AJ Brown as my dark horse defense offensive player of the year. What are your um what are your thoughts on the Eagles roster? Su- Super Bowl caliber roster? They have a great roster, yes. Okay. If Jalen Hurts can elevate those guys, you believe he can elevate them. Yes. That Offensive then means players. you think Jalen Hurts can lead this team to a Super, Super Bowl? Bowl? Yes. Okay. So you think Jalen Hurts can lead the Eagles to yes. a Super Bowl? Yes. If, if this was the AFC, it's a different conversation. But in the NFC, where his biggest opponent is going to be probably the Rams with an injured Stafford who has a, a messed up elbow, or Tom Brady, whose offensive line and wide receivers have fallen apart, and Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't have any weapons. Yes, the roster-wise, they have arguably the best roster in the NFC. Okay, I like what you're saying here. Because when we talk about Matt Ryan and the Colts, right? Their roster is better than a lot of teams in the AFC's roster. But uh, because of the quarterback, I don't, you're like, they can't beat these teams. But know. yet Jalen Hurts is not as good as Tom Brady, not as good as Matthew Stafford. I don't think he's going to be as good as Trey Lance either. He's not as good as Kyler Murray. He's not as good as Kirk Cousins. He's not as good as, I think, Jameis Winston possibly has a better season than him too. But but all of you, you, you would still put the Eagles over those teams even though the quarterback is significantly worse. Because the quarterback, it's much more marginal. Stafford, he's got it. Brady, obviously. But, like, Kyler, Kirk Cousins. Kyler. Kyler, yeah, but the Cardinals a- suck. Like, the Cardinals are not going to be in, in deep playoff contention. There's a, Their gap between Kirk, there's a gap between Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, there's, there's, a, Prescott, yes. there's a significant but, but the gap. Roster, but these quarterbacks are not on the same caliber as the AFC quarterbacks where you have fucking Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. You have the five, four of the five best quarterbacks Matt in Ryan's the a, league Matt in Ryan's the AFC. A Hall of Famer. He's an MVP. I don't, I don't care about He's Hall of Famer MVP, MVP bro. MVP. I don't care. I do not care. What has Jalen Hurts done? In 2016, Jalen Hurts was in fucking high school, bro. What did Matt Ryan in high school? What has Jalen Hurts won to be labeled as Kirk Cousins is just marginally better than him. Kirk Cousins is Kirk better, Cousins but this is, is what you're missing. Me. Than this him. is what you're missing. Dak Prescott is significantly better. Can I talk? This is what you're missing, bro. This is what you're missing. In the AFC. What about the, Carson Wentz? In the AFC. Sh- shut up. In the AFC, Matt Ryan has to go against the absolute best of the fucking best. Who and his also, capable. Yes, but who he also. He has the best of the best running game in that, in that who fucking conference. also have great rosters. The Chiefs have a good roster. The, Ch- the Chargers. The Chiefs have the quarterback and the roster. The Chargers have the quarterback and the roster. The Bengals, the Ravens have the, the quarterback best game? and the roster. Who has the best run game in that conference? In what, the AFC? Yes. Um, if J.K. Dom's healthy, it could be Baltimore, but it'll probably be the Colts who have so the, the best Colts running back. the Colts have top three consensus, top two consensus most yeah, likely. They have the best running back right? in the league. What but, does that have to do with okay, Matt Ryan? Because that matters. That matters. I, I understand, but the quarterbacks and teams in the NFC are a lot worse than the quarterbacks and teams in the AFC, which is why I feel comfortable. The what, Buccaneer, do you, what do you mean, The how? Buccaneers' roster is better than the Eagles' roster. Their offensive line just fell apart. Their interior offensive line fell apart, the and Rams, their wide receivers, the we Rams don't know what's going to look like. better than the Eagles' roster. Yes, yes. And looking Out. at Minnesota, their roster is mm, 
Be they're, careful. They're quite the same. Be careful. Defensively, the Eagles gap. clear. Offensive line, the Eagles clear. They're the best offensive line in the entire and, NFL. Yeah, but and the not Eagles a, have a, a wide receiver. between the rosters, though. And the Eagles obviously don't have Justin Jefferson, but A.J. Brown's a top 10 guy. Devontae Smith's one of the better wide receiver twos in the league. A.J. Brown is, has yet to put 1,200 yards we know, we know he season. is, bro. We know he is. He's been banged up. He when he's on the that. field, he's a he's, top 10 he's receiver. When he's on he's the field, he's a top that. 10 receiver. What makes him better than Keenan Allen right now? Keenan Allen is a far more consistent receiver. I think Keenan Allen's number 10. I think A.J. Brown's like number 9. AJ so Brown's more AJ Brown's more explosive. It depends who you want. Do you want a guy who's gonna eat you up over the middle of the field, get you eight catches? And or do you want to have a guy like AJ Brown who in one play could take it to the crib? I They're, like the guy both, giving me the chunk plays. I, they, I like him Allen. I okay, like him. Chunk plays is AJ Brown. Chunk plays is you go down the field. He could take a screen to the house. He could take a thirty yard post route to that. Like no, that's he could a do big both. time play. That's not a chunk play. That's a, a chunk big play time is play. twenty thirty that's yards, a bro. Big time that's, a, that's a chunk that's play. That's a chunk play. But Come to, to go back, John, can, can we talk for a second, real quick? Just real quick, just be in your zone. Is it crazy to say that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, the quarterbacks and rosters they play in the NFC? It's not as crazy to say they can make a Super Bowl run compared to Matt Ryan and the Colts who have to go against literally the best quarterbacks in the NFL who are on teams that have great rosters. So you're putting your faith in Jalen Hurts and not my Matt Ryan. It's Jalen. You know I'm a Jalen Hurts guy, but it's Jalen Hurts, but it's also the NFC, bro. If the Colts were in the NFC, I would be with you. I'd be like, bro, they could really go to the Super Bowl and make this run. But there's just teams and quarterbacks in the AFC that are better. So the Eagles face the 49ers in the first round. You're picking the Eagles? <sighs> Um, those are my two teams. You no, know, my my uh, agenda teams. There are both of them. Mm. I'd have to. I'd have to see because what does Trey Lance look like at the end of the year? Trey if Lance has more the, upside. If they pay, face the Bucks, you're picking the Eagles. Uh, I picked. I picked the Bucks. If they face the Rams, you're picking the Eagles. I picked the uh, the Rams. If they face Minnesota, you're picking the Eagles. Eagles, yeah. I go okay. Eagles. So far, three teams. You have said you. Were, I said two. No, you said 49ers. No, I didn't. I didn't choose on the 49ers. No, you didn't count. Them. Yeah. Okay, Minnesota. I would take the Eagles. Saints. I would take the Eagles. All right. I'm just making sure. Yeah, I'm just. I listen. have two teams. Like, and I still. Listen, the Bucks are going to be there, but their offensive line's falling apart. Listen, it's a believe, little worrisome. Listen, believe what you want to believe. I gladly. I, I'm just. Oh, the Cowboys. I didn't mention them. Eagles. The Cowboys have dominated them the past the past couple of years. It's they a different. It's a different team. Year. It's a different team. What, I what, say no, that the second game Jalen Hurts didn't even play. I say that because you know it. Take it back. The second game Jalen Hurts didn't even play. He dominated them regardless. He wasn't on the Dak, field. Dak eats against the NFC East. I say and that has done one in the playoffs. I say that to say that just to expose your hypocrisy. You're not exposing when me. it comes when it comes to the Colts because Matt Ryan is not as good as these quarterbacks. They have no chance to get out the wild card. But when it comes to Jalen Hurts, although he's not as good as any of these quarterbacks, oh, yeah, they can make a run because Jalen Hurts elevates guys. And Matt Ryan doesn't, right? Matt Ryan doesn't elevate guys, but Jalen Hurts does. I picked, you. I picked the two guys. I picked Tom Brady and the Bucks, and Matt Stafford and the Rams. Two guys I think everyone says is a clear quarterback clearing over Jalen Hurts. Her cousins is clearing. Kirk Cousins is better, yes, but on a given bro, game, Jalen Hurts clearing. can be better. No, it's not. On he's a given a, day, Kirk yes. Kirk Cousins is a clearing, bro. What have we seen? He's had four straight years. He's had a 100-plus passer rating or higher. What are we talking about here? Dak Prescott is a clearing. We Those have, are four quarterbacks have, that are clearing. Yes, but we also have – these other teams in the AFC don't have as many holes as the Vikings. The Vikings, we Kyler think, Murray's a clearing. But the – you're missing a huge point, bro. What if a Arizona wins? Point. What, what if these, they make the playoffs? These teams in the AFC do not have holes. The Chiefs don't have a hole, and they have the coach and the quarterback. The Chiefs the don't Chargers, have a hole? The Chargers don't. Not like the Vikings or Cardinals. 
The Vikings and Cardinals replaying both their defense can be bottom of the bottom bottom of the league. The Vikings are not going to be a bottom of the league defense. We they were last year because they were hurt. They're not going to be that this they year. Law on the edge and the secondary. They have the Neil <sighs> Hunter, and we have a first year. And we have a first year head coach with Kevin O'Connell. Nice defense. You can't compare apples to apples here, bro. Like you just said, that, you just said the Chiefs have no holes, bro. Not com- not comparable there's, to the they, Cardinals. Corners, there's a hole at corner. Bro, not compared to the Cardinals. They just got Trent McDuffie, a rookie. Who gonna you're, cha- you were extremely high on. Who is I'm your high guy? On him, but he turns them from a hole to not having a hole. No, but he was a first round pick. You're expecting him to come so in the Jets, right so then away. The Jets don't have hole at, a hole at corner too. Because I think Sauce with is I think with elite. Sauce and DJ Reed, you have a pretty fucking good quarterback so duo. That's still we don't have. So our secondary is fucking fantastic. There's no, no we need a safety. Okay, what about the Chiefs? Do they need a safety? They just got Justin they, Reed. But they, I was gonna say they lost Justin Reed, but they lost Matthew. Okay. Now, what about? It's not a huge hole, but you're comparing them. You're comparing the Chiefs, the Chargers, all the Ravens, all these the teams Chiefs, who really the don't Chiefs, have holes. The Chiefs, to the Chargers, Cardinals and the, Vikings, the bro. The Chiefs, Chargers, I agree, have minimal. Am holes. I bugging? Like, am I bugging? Yeah, Joel. You look at last season. Just last season. But what's the, the Colts' hole though? It's just receiver. I'm not. This isn't a. Colts That's one conver- position group. This isn't a Colts conversation, bro. All, all those it's teams were mentioning the Colts. The I mean, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Ravens. They all have one to two holes on a roster, like the Colts. But I have a question for you. What are you gaining here at the Colts? No, I'm just. I just wanted him to explain. I, I wanted. The- I wanted him to explain how Jalen Hurts elevates guys and can make a run despite being one of the worst quarterbacks among all those playoff teams. But Matt Ryan can't make a run with the Colts because he's worse than the quarterbacks. We'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. What are the Colts going to do in 2022? They're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. No, no. What are they going to accomplish in 2022? They're going to be a legit contender for That's, the AFC Championship. I'm asking what your prediction is for the Colts this year. What do you mean? I just told you. Are they going to go to the Super Bowl? Are they going to go to, let's say they get knocked down in the wild card? They have a AFC. chance to. I'm saying the same I thing wanna, with the Eagles. The reason I'm asking if your prediction is because last year, look at the pass to the Super Bowl. So much of it is if we were going up against, you catch a break, and then you get to the AFC or the NFC Championship game. The Bengals. Wild card, they get the Raiders. It's not really a real playoff team. You're preaching to the fucking choir. I said then, this all offseason. Then, yeah, I know. I have to repeat this. Then they get the Titans, one of the worst number one seeds. You're I repeating his talking no points, idea. so you're, you want to you be in the losing side of the argument. No, we're going to compare and contrast. Okay. Then you get the Titans, who are not a real number one seed. They're they're hampered by injury. Derrick Henry wasn't him. Then they get the Chiefs. That's where the lightning in the bottle comes. You have an awesome game in Arrowhead. Then you look at the Rams. They play the Cardinals, who were a legit playoff team. They started the year 8-0. Then they get the Buccaneers, the reigning defending champs, and then the 49ers, who put it all together for the end of the season. That was a legitimate contender. Then you look at the Chiefs the year before. They had to go up against Cleveland, a legitimate contender that could have went to the Super Bowl in 2020, and the Bills the following week. That's a tough way to come out the AFC, and when you look at all the inundated talent, Oakland has maybe the most talented offense. You said the who? I said the Bill. I'm talking about the... What, who are you talking you about? You said they were legitimate contenders to go to the Super Bowl in 2020. Yeah, the Browns. Okay. Yeah. And you look what the Raiders did this offseason. They have maybe the most talented offense in the NFL. The point is, when it comes to making your way through, the pathway is so much steeper to climb in the AFC Thank than it is in the NFC. That's all we're getting at here. And so when you won't give us a prediction, it's because you know you don't catch breaks in this AFC. You're lucky to get into the playoffs in this AFC. No, the I'm not. The number wait, one wait, no, wait, like no, 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 no. I'll Thank stop you. you right there. Thank you. The reason I'm not giving a full-on prediction is because I have not done it for any team. I'm not up here saying the Chargers are going to the Super Bowl. The Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, and the NFC, the Rams are going. I'm not saying it for any of those teams. I'm saying there is a chance for the Colts to make a run. But you, 
at every single turn, at every single stop sign, at every single street light, what you have done is said the Colts have a very little chance to even get out the wild card, but the Eagles have this chance to go to the Super Bowl because Jalen Hurts elevates guys and the Eagles have the roster, yet the Colts have the roster and they have a better quarterback, but they can't do it. That's where I'm getting at. Because I think the Colts are going to win their division. I still think the Colts are going to be the worst of the division winners. I think they will have the four seed. They'll have to play either the Chiefs or Chargers or the Broncos, whichever one, or they'll have to play the Bengals or Ravens. That's where I get I get lost. Where the Eagles, on the other hand, like it or not, they could be a top two or three seed. In the regular season, they won 11 games last year, and they just got they better. Oh, they won nine? They won, oh, the, they won nine I, nine. I apologize. I apologize. The uh, Cowboys won the division. They have 11 wins? Something like about. Regardless. Now you have a year two Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts' second year starting, their roster got better with A.J. Brown, with Jordan Davis, and now they could be a top two or three seed in the NFC and play a wild card team like the Saints in round one. They could beat but, the Saints. But, but ultimately, the reason why you don't give the Colts a chance to get out the wild card is because of the quarterback no. they'd be facing. Oh, That's yes, what the, you've been yes. getting at this entire time. I'm worried but, about the opponents. Yes, yes. But... More yes, the any, opponent and any the opponent the Eagles would face, that quarterback outside of the Saints because Jameis is not a significant upgrade over Jalen Hurts. Outside of the Saints, any quarterback Jalen Hurts would face is significantly better than him. But the 49ers, you got to also think the Eagles. Trey Lance will be significantly better than Jalen Hurts. Pause the breaks. Significantly, on that one. significantly, Pause the on that significantly. One. I'm happy. I'm happy you're in on Trey Lance now. Trey you're Lance, a little, you're a little I've wishy-washy. Wishy washy on him. I just you never but, had a take about him. Trey, yeah, I know. Trey Lance is going to eat this season. I, I he's going to be phenomenal. Gonna, I think he's going to be really he's gonna good. He's going to clear Jalen Froster. <laughs> Jalen Froster? Yeah. Fraudster. Oh, fraudster? Fraudster. That's ridiculous. My issue, the only issue or we're not seeing eye to eye here is on the Eagles. While, sure, Jalen Hurts might be marginally worse than some of these quarterbacks. Their it's roster, not marginal, though. Do you think the Eagles. Dak Prescott is significantly better than Jalen Hurts, my arm to throw. Where, where, do you, where would you rank the Eagles roster? Top five in the NFC, top ten, including and and the eight, sure they have a top. They, they're the tenth best roster in the league to me in the NFL, and so probably in the NFC they're a top two or three roster. If they're top ten in the league, I think Rams are better. I think Bucks are better. I think Saints have a better roster than them too. Oh, Saints have a better I'm roster. Than the Saints, them. they do not. Have a Wait, Saints roster. defense is better than the Eagles defense. It's going to be close. That's for one. It's going to be questions. close. Marshawn Lattimore. Okay, they, they have Tyron Matthew. They have Darius Slay. Cameron Jordan. What do you mean, Marshawn Lattimore and? Tyron Matthew, that that secondary one. Yeah, well, they have they have they just picked up Tyron. Demario yes. Davis as linebacker, Pro Bowl. They just got Nicobe Dean, who was great in his first Bro, game. Jordan he's Davis, not no Demario Fletcher Davis. Cox. He's not no Demario no, Davis. No, obviously, obviously not. No, but now you don't have Sean Payton. You have Dennis Allen stepping in for the first time. But but that's Den- a question mark. Den- you have Jameis Jameis Winston coming back from torn ACL. Question mark. Michael question Thomas. Mark, question mark. Question mark on offense, defensive. There's no question that, mark. Defensively, Dennis Allen has held it down. He's and what they do last year for them. What do you mean? They had an elite defense. They, they, they were, had elite defense, and where did they get them? They were in the hunt for the playoffs, have, and they he started four different quarterbacks. Okay, what are we talking I'm, about? I'm, I'm just where saying. Where did they get who? I'm just, okay, and we're expecting James to come Book off a torn ACL. Jameis Winston started five or six games last year. Bro, the year before, they he were, didn't. He was a backup, and we're expecting James to come in off a torn ACL and just Saints, be great. The Saints had winning records with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston starting. They only lost when they, they played, played Trevor Simeon and Ian Book. If they played playoff teams, we know they were going to lose, bro. The Eagles did not be a playoff team last year either. Yo, and that's 
I and like that April's was with slot, and that was with the Saints having no offensive weapons outside of Marquez Callaway. The, yeah. the Saints not even offensive. The, the, Saint, the Saints receivers are better than the Eagles receivers. Michael Thomas healthy. Chris Olave Jarvis is better mm. than the Eagles receiving core. Devon, Running back Devontae Alvin clears. Kamara is better. Devontae what are we clear, talking about? The Saints clears. have a better roster than Devon, the Eagles. Devonta Smith clears Olave and, and Jarvis Landry. Michael Thomas, maybe. We'll see. But A.J. Brown, right? If you told me I could take one receiver right now, A.J. Brown or MT, I'm taking A.J. Brown. Easily. Here's the thing. You win games. You're comeback player of the year. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm projecting. I know A.J. Brown's going to be a dog. A.J. Brown can't win comeback player of the year. I have have A.J. Brown's offensive player of the year, dog course. comeback player of the year, what does Michael Thomas get? What are the numbers? Comeback player of the Mm -hmm. year? Probably like 1,200. It's something AJ Brown's never had in his career. Well, I'm project. I'm it, in this world where he does win comeback player of the year. I've AJ Brown's my dark horse offensive player of the year. Okay, because Jalen Hurts elevates guys. He does. Okay. <laughs> Devontae Smith just had a great rookie season. He led the team. So Tua so, so elevates guys too. Because Jalen Waddle had a great rookie season. Tua mm, elevate. Jalen Waddle is a great talent too. So is Devonta Smith. Um, so Jalen Hurts elevates guys with Tua doesn't, although they both rookies and they both have fantastic no, seasons. I think they both do enough to do what the wide receiver's supposed Wait, to. Wait, what about Matt Ryan? Does he elevate guys? Because um, Kyle Pitts had a historic tight end And he season. had one touchdown. He was the best tight end prospect of all time. You've been putting Matt Ryan in your mouth a lot recently, but I think with him, it's it's the capability component with Jalen Hurts. Now, let me say one thing. It's, it's driving me crazy. You're saying the Eagles are a, or the Saints have a significantly better roster than the Eagles, but I say this all the time. You win games in the trenches. And my question for you is, do the, the Philadelphia Eagles win healthy? Is this not the best offensive and you, line football? And you also got to think yes. the Saints lost to Ron Armstead, the second-best left tackle in the league. That's going to be Penning a huge loss. And then you look at this defensive line. Andres Pete is a good is a good guard. Eric McCoy is a good center. Ryan Ramchick is one oh, of the better tackles. He's, in the he's, league. We're not. He's, we're not they're going. Still going to be an average offensive line. But like losing not, but, losing a left tackle is but, significant. No, the biggest piece on the offensive yeah. line. The word significantly means sufficiently more. And the best offensive line in football is a lot, lot better, significantly better than an average offensive line. Then look at the defensive line: Fletcher Cox, Elite. Javon Hargrave, great. Your boy, you, you have you hold him pretty highly. Jordan, Jordan Davis. Davis, yeah. Great. Expecting to be great. Now you had Hassan Reddick on the outside as well. A great pickup. Great yeah, edge rusher. Very, very good None of those rusher. players are better than Cameron Jordan right now. But no, then you also add in James Bradbury to replace David Onyem, Nelson. David Onyem, I forgot on, about Bradbury. David Onyem Nada is better right now than I would say um, most of their defensive linemen. What? Outside of, Fletcher, outside of Fletcher Cox, I think Fletcher Cox and him are pretty close right now. But... What about Javon Hargrave? Javon Hargrave huh? is elite. Fletcher Cox is elite. David Omignano is one of the best tackles in a defense. Fl- Fletcher Cox is better than him. Come on, bro. You talk about Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis. I say to myself, they just have so many maulers there. One of the best tight ends, by far, one of the most underrated ones. He can yeah, but you know what else matters? What else matters is the second level too. And then the second level, the Saints are significantly oh, better. Yeah, in the second there's level. no one you can target on that same second level. I agree with you. Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, C.J. Gardner Johnson. Yeah. Like, bro, come on. It's special, right? There. This, they're well, maybe the best second. They're going to be a top five defense in the league. Yeah. Are you, so? Are you count? Do you think the Eagles will be a better defense in the Saints next year? I think they're going to be well, a similar. Season. I'll go with uh, the Saints. Be, I would say yeah, but they're going to be close. The Eagles are going to have a great defense. I think the Eagles will be top ten. I think the Saints will be top five. Yeah, like they're going to. They're both going to have really good defenses. At that point, it comes down to coaching and offense, and we, I will take the fucking Eagles. When we talk about weapons. I would rather have AJ Brown than Michael Thomas because what I've seen in the last Thank two you. years. Thank you. And Devonta Smith. Mind you, and let this me, running let me just... game. This running game is just as productive, more productive when you consider Mark Ingram as their backup back. I'm looking at right now PFF, real quick. PFF fanboy over here. 
No, I want to see where Fletcher Cox ranks. He's awesome. You know, he's, he's yeah, good. bro. Like, we know Fletcher Cox is fucking good. No, I know he's great. I'm not saying he's not great. But I just want to see where he ranked. And what was his grade this past season? Because I think, you know, P- so Fletcher Cox grade was 66.7 overall, which would rank about like the 32nd best defense, interior defensive lineman in the league. Javon Hargrave was 32nd, right? David Onyemata was number seven in the league, according to PFF this past season. It was only people in front of him was Aaron Donald, Cameron Hayward, Jonathan Allen, Chris Jones, Christian Wilkins, and then it's David Onyemata. So you're not basing this opinion off of what you've seen. You're just basing it entirely off of PFF. No, right? I'm not. I'm, I'm basing it off what I've seen. I literally told you I think Fletch Cox is a better player, but I think David Onyemata is literally, he's one of the best interior defenders in the league. That's what I originally set, started with. So not only do you have a top five, top ten-ish edge rusher in Cameron Jordan, they also have a top ten interior defender in the league in David Onyemata. So this defensive line is comparable to the Eagles. And Marcus Davenport's also good. Yeah, you mentioned he's really good. Eagles clear. Don't move me. Colts suck. Eagles are good. Saints suck. Would, would you rather... Now we know what's coming, right? Yes. Jordan Love. We're going to talk about him. We're going to do a would you rather on Jordan Love. Because I think it's interesting. And this is one of the would you rathers that I'm actually going to partake in. Yes, I'm sir. actually Let's going to give it. my Let's answer go. with them as well. For that. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Never sleep. Fuck you. On David on your Fuck you. David, um, do you even know I spell his last name? Yeah. No, you, know, you, just, no, you were just looking at PFF. No, no, no. It's O-N-Y-E-M-A-T-A. There's, on ye mata. There's no way. Good job. Not, not even thinking of it for a second. Would you rather... Colts. You guys ready? Born so, ready. Would you rather Jordan Love edition? Now, we know he's had a tough start to his career. We don't know when he's ever going to play. But nonetheless, we're going to compare some other, other quarterbacks in the league. Drew Locke. I'll see what Jordan Love has. Jordan Love. I'm going Jordan Love. Tua Tungavailoa. Tua. Not close. Love. I'm going Jordan Love, too. What? You can, what? <laughs> you, you can replace Tua with Tyrod Taylor or even a Teddy Bridgewater and get very similar production. The ceiling is no is incomparable. Oh, my God. Jordan Love's ceiling is oh I like Jordan God. Love better. Oh, my God. I'll I like take Jordan what Love he better. can be. I'll oh, take, my God. I'll take the 30% chance Jordan Love can reach his ceiling over Tua. I, don't, I never think he'll be a top 20 or top 15 quarterback in the Y'all game. Y'all don't know fucking ball, bro. Davis, Davis Mills. <sighs> Davis Mills. So we have to think about Davis Mills, but not Tua. I'm still Tua's going, better than Davis Mills. I'm still going with Jordan Love, even with Davis Mills. Jordan Love. Daniel Jones. Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Jordan Love for me too. Sam Darnold. Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Jordan Love for me too. Mitch Trubisky. Jordan Love. I'll see what he see what he's got. I'm going Jordan Love. Steelers homer over here. Can't decide. If he wasn't on the Steelers, would it be this hard? Jordan Love. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. But eh. I think because of the floor, I'll go Kenny Pickett. I like his moxie. Jared Goff. Uh, like Jared. This is the thing. Like Jared, who do I want? If you said you could just start a franchise with one of these guys, I'll see what Jordan Love has. But if I have a team ready to win now, Jared Goff, it, I'd rather have him for that team. We've seen Jared Goff ceiling Jordan Love. Jared Goff's ceiling was fucking amazing in, in, in uh, L.A. 
Yeah, for a year, and then he held the team. Yeah, back. I mean, it took Sean McVay and a bunch of weapons, but I understand. Yeah. This is tough. I think I'm gonna go with Jared Goff. Marcus tough. Mariota. Jordan Love. See what he has. Jordan Love. I'm going Jordan Love. Jameis Winston. Jameis. Jameis. Jameis Winston for me too. And last name Gardner Minshew. Jordan Love. Dead ass. Yeah. Like the. Do you think Tua's like the twenty eighth best quarterback in the league? Like why is it, wait? What, hold up. Why why isn't Gardner Minshew better than Tua? Gardner, he has what, been what, better. What makes, very Tua, bad team. what makes Tua better than Gardner Minshew? In all honesty, I don't even want to answer this. No, st- no statistics you can show me showcase that Tua's better than Gardner Minshew. Tua is a more accurate passer. He's better ball placement. He's a better deep thrower. Period. Is he a better deep thrower? Yes, he was. He was limited okay. last year in deep throw attempts, but he was among the leaders in accuracy. Okay. Minshew has not a strong arm. I can't. You think that's sustainable? You think that's sustainable? The same thing you said with Jameis Winston. How the touchdown rate, touchdown rate wasn't sustainable. But I look at that as different. Like I think completing long passes is not as random as scoring touchdowns. I'm going with Jordan Love. I am going Jordan Love as well. Gardner Minshew. Okay. No, Gardner, Gardner Minshew was rookie season, 21 touchdowns, 6 picks, 91 passer rating. Second season, 16 touchdowns, 5 picks, 96 passer rating, and that was in Jacksonville. I know, he but... He was never given a chance to succeed there either. If, if, if Minshew had a... Ch- like, if teams saw... Like, 32 teams saw, saw Gardner Minshew, he hasn't got another chance to start. What does that tell us? He is one of the best, the best backups backup. in the league. He is the best backup, my Okay, opinion. so he's a backup. Tua's not a backup. That's what Tua's going to be, though. He's only not a backup because he was a high, high Tua, dra- Tua's highly an, drafted Tua's an average player. starter. He's an average starter. He's that not a he's backup. He's low average. You guys are so... Di- I, I feel like I'm Drew right now. Like, you guys are so disrespectful to Tua. There is a lot of very good quarterbacks. I mean, Ryan Tannehill so you think you think, Gardner, you think Gardner Minshew is better than Tua? I think they're in the same camp. Oh, my God. Yeah. If... If Gardner Minshew was a fifth overall pick and Tua was a fifth rounder, I think we look at this a little differently. But he wasn't. But it's the draft pedigree which really separates. But he wasn't because Tua was amazing at Bama, then had a hip injury, which was which was devastating, and it obviously set him back in the league. You've never had that hip injury. He's probably not the guy we're looking at right now. I agree. But now he's also multiple years removed from that hip injury, like. Bro, Tua's going to put 4,000 yards and and 28 touchdowns this year. Y'all know that, right? He's going to clear whatever Gardner Minshew did. 4,000 yards, you think so? Yes. Jimmy G had 3,800 yards last year. Tua's going to have 4,000 yards and 28. And you all know how I feel about Tua. I think he's a good quarterback who's going to put up good numbers. Okay, average quarterback who's going to put up good numbers because he has great weapons around him. I still think Miami's going to look at Tua and say, if we can upgrade, if Lamar becomes available somehow, they're going to try and go and upgrade. But overall, Tua's going to have a good year. He's a starting quarterback in this league. Gordon mentioned there's a reason he never got another chance. But the Dolphins are going to win with Tua, not because of him. And I, I don't disagree. Thing. When you look at Mitch Trubisky. What did Gardner Minshew win? Nothing. But it's Tua won. Look at that team. He's literally cost his team a chance to go and I, win no, in the playoffs. I, I'm not disagreeing, but he's saying they're going to win in, basically in spite of Tua. They just have a good team. They can win with him much like Jimmy G. I think he's in that Jimmy G, Jared Goff camp with, of but course. I don't think Jimmy G and Gardner Minshew are in the same camp. Like, Jimmy G's got a Super Bowl. I think Gardner Minshew's the bottom of that tier, and Jimmy G be at the top. You're just really high on, Gar- on Gardner Minshew. I love Gardner Minshew. I think, he's, yeah. I think he's an awesome backup quarterback. I do, too. He's a great backup. There's a difference between great backup and average starter. But he, I mean, if you put Gardner Minshew in this Dolphins offense, I think they win just as many games as so. they could with Tua. How many games did Minshew play in those two years? Just curious. 
he went one and seven the second year, and he went six and six for his rookie season. Okay, so he never. Okay, six. Oh, and so, so he never had saying, a winning record. No, I was gonna say twelve games is twelve games is a pretty decent sample. He was pretty good. On to the next topic. Rookie. Zach Wilson in preseason injured his knee. Thankfully, it wasn't an ACL and it was a meniscus. And he had right knee surgery. It was deemed a success. Recovery time is scheduled for two to four weeks. And that begs the question, this, this has been a growing topic on social media. What if Joe Flacco plays well? What if the Jets go 3-0? and We beat the Ravens. We beat the Browns. We beat the Bengals. Should they just keep Joe Flacco out there and, and you know, not play Zach Wilson, not start him when he's fully healthy? You know, I'm curious to hear your answer, Joe, because you thought this was a waste of a topic. I do think this is a waste of topic. We just talked about in the last show when Zach Wilson went down and everyone thought the worst that it was a torn ACL. I just got an epiphany. I was like, this year doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is finding out if Zach Wilson is the starting franchise quarterback and we don't have to think about a quarterback in the 23 draft or trading for one or free agency, whatever. The number one thing the Jets have to figure out is if Zach Wilson is a franchise quarterback. Joe Flacco, respectably, respectfully, he's been a great career. He's a vet. He's done it all. Been to the Super Bowl. Won the Super Bowl. He elevates guys. One year. If Joe Flacco went out and put up 500 yards and five touchdowns both of the first two games, his ass is still sitting. His ass is fucking sitting because we need Zach Wilson in the starting lineup because Joe Flacco is not the franchise. 36-year-old Joe Flacco is not going to be the franchise guy. We need to find out if Zach Wilson is the guy. The years of the time of waiting three years to find out if you're that's your franchise guy, they're over. I know the Giants are doing it with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones' time is up. We know what he is. You have to, in my opinion... Two seasons to prove you're a franchise quarterback. We saw it with the first year with Zach. First half of the year was pretty choppy, got injured. Second half of the year, he looked pretty damn good. Now this second season, this is his time to show I'm the franchise guy. I can be the leader of this team and elevate guys around me with this great offensive weapons and line, and we think we have a pretty good coaching staff as well. You can't have Flacco out there. You're going to halt Zach Wilson's progress. I don't give a shit what Joe Flacco does. If Zach Wilson's out four weeks and we're 4-0 and Joe Flacco's leading the league and everything, it doesn't matter because even if Joe Flacco brought us to the playoffs and we lose in the first round, what did we find out? We have a borderline playoff team with an aging quarterback, and now we don't know if Zach Wilson's our franchise guy. It's a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. <laughs> what utter? This has been such a weird episode. <laughs> and this is why I say that, and this is why this is not a waste of a topic. Where, where's his Funko Pop that you <laughs> violated last week? Zach Wilson. There's no doubt in my mind he's a franchise guy. He's the guy. He's the New York Jets quarterback. There's no doubt about it. I think the Jets rushed out Zach Wilson too early last season. He should have sat last season, to be honest. He should have learned. He should have pulled we, the Trey Lance. He should have pulled the Trey Lance, and he should have sat and learned, right? We didn't have a backup last year. Yeah, I know. That's on the front office. It is. Last season's schedule started off very tough. This season's schedule is brutal as well. Now, Zach Wilson's recovery time is two to four weeks, which means he might be ready for week one. If I'm the Jets, if I'm the front office, Zach Wilson is not playing until week four, and that's the that's the bare minimum. That That's really... Week four, maybe. And the reason for that, 
is because we're talking about a quarterback who, Joel, you, you mentioned it last week. How much can you trust Zach? He's had two knee injuries in two seasons. He was injury-prone coming out of college. And the Jets start off against the Ravens. Who the have North. Michael Pierce, Calais Campbell, Odafe Owe, and Tyus Bowser. They have the Browns who – they face the Browns who have Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. We don't even have reliable tackles. George Fant was good last year. Is he holding down Miles Garrett? Fuck no. Bengals DJ reader Trey Hendrickson. The Jets are starting off the season facing great defensive lines. And there's no doubt Zach Wilson is going to get hit a lot when that happens. I'm not putting my franchise quarterback at risk. Yes, if Joe Flacco's playing decent, he's playing okay, let him out there until Zach Wilson's 100% healthy. That's why I said it's not a waste of time. Am I saying Zach Wilson sit the entire season? No. But when it's right, come back. When you're fully healthy, come back. So it is. Week, week four. It, the, the question is, if Flacco starts off well, should the Jets start him? <laughs> I think, All you said is, once Zach Wilson's healthy, he comes back. So if he starts off well, no, saying, no he's not starting. No, Joe Flacco, week one, is probably, let's say, you know, Zach Wilson's probably going to be ready for week one, week two. I still wouldn't start. They're gonna Zach. be. They're gonna be very cautious. A- with am him. I starting Zach Wilson against Miles Garrett and Davion Clowney? No. No, but I think this is a different conversation. I think the Jets also will hold him out week one. They want to be super sure that they don't rush him back. He needs to be healthy a hundred percent. That's a different conversation. And honestly, we we have to. I think that all Jets fans have to now. We this should have been done a while ago. Jets fans have to thoroughly investigate the NFL schedule makers. There's there's no way that the Jets are continuously one of the worst teams in the league, yet we have the toughest schedule in the league almost every other year. It makes no sense. Chicago with Justin Fields, they were the worst team in the NFC North. They have the easiest, one of the easiest schedules in the league. The Giants, one of the easiest schedules in the league. Well, then they're in the NFC. The Jets keep having one of the toughest schedules in the league because even after the first three weeks, we're facing the Steelers, Dolphins, Packers, and Broncos. We're talking about T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, Emmanuel Ogba, Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips, Rashawn Gary, Devontae White, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, the Broncos with Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. That's our easiest matchup. Oh, Bradley Chubb's the guy now? <laughs> Randy Gregory's the guy now? I'm just saying. It's despicable. It's despicable. You know why, real quick before you go? AFC just has... So much more better teams, like we were saying in the last segment, but go on. It's funny how that works. Crazy, They right? legitimately don't play a bad football team. The New York Jets, who have not made the playoffs in 12 years, until week 12 against the Bears. You, you play the AC North, and you got, like you said, all those teams. But then you got Buffalo coming off your bye week, the Patriots again, yeah. and then the Bears. Just because that's how it works doesn't mean the Eagles are locking this football. <sighs> Shut up. Now, you, we have to come back to reality. I have to level you a little bit. You have reason behind Zach Wilson. I used the word moxie before to define uh, some some word. I think Zach Wilson has it, but at the same time, you have to answer this question: Was Zach Wilson terrible in his rookie season? He wasn't that good. Was he terrible? He was not a good quarterback. Was he below average or terrible? It was his rookie season, growing pains. And so you can't confidently say yet until he shows it to you, he is a franchise quarterback. You have to actually I'm prove bu- it I'm first. I'm bought in. I'm bought in. 
So you're bought in without actually seeing it. You That's what want, they call delusion. You don't want to be. Bought, you don't want to be bought in. You're not. You're not. Bought, you don't have to be bought in. I love Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be. And a you go- thought Mason Rudolph was a franchise quarterback. I, I think Gardner Minshew is a franchise quarterback. I said Mason Rudolph would be a bridge for the Steelers, and then they signed Mitch Trubisky. That's what I said. Yeah. I thought Mason. So you're more. You're more more sold on Mason Rudolph than you are Zach Wilson because he's shown a little bit more. Did I call Mason Rudolph franchise quarterback? No, just I just asking. said I like Zach Wilson a lot, but. Until he actually proves it to you, he, he isn't a franchise court. He has to show it to you. He had a great game for the Titans. He was making terrific throws, and he beat the number one seed. Okay, now can we get that for a few more weeks? Can we see you stay healthy? You talked about the injuries. Can we see you put it all together in your second season? And I understand the Jets did not support him well as a rookie, and they should have sat him. I agree with you on that. But the fact of the matter is, much like any of these other young quarterbacks, even if you're not a fan of those teams, you have to hold them to the sta- same standard. The same way Tua, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love all to prove themselves. You have to show it before you can say, is this guy a hit? Is he a bust? You have to use that same logic with Zach Wilson, whether or not you're a Jets fan. Now, with Mason Rudolph, I said he'd be a bridge because odds are the Steelers are going to be competitive with him. In worst case scenario, he gets you a top five pick if the season goes horribly. That's why I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And you don't have to spend you know, $7 million on Mr. Trubisky, who I think is fine. You can use that $5 million in the defense. That was literally it because Mason's like the 30th best quarterback for $2 million. I, I He's not the is, 30 best quarterback. He's like 50th best quarterback. Yeah, he's like 45. Is I, there, I was going to say there's a gap between he's Tua. He's got a good deep ball. I think. Is there a gap Mason's between Tua and Mason Rudolph? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd take Tua today. What? And who's favorite? Oh, Tua. <laughs> I think Mason's got a good deep ball, nothing else. I think he's got. You think he's got deep balls? Hello. You're just putting words in my mouth. Yeah. Right? He likes things in his mouth. Balls. Um, You think Tua and Carson Wentz? What do, what do you think there? Carson's low isn't taking Tua. I'd rather have Tua. Okay. Yeah, but Carson's highs, I mean, they aren't really that present, but I'm taking Tua. I'm low on once. <sighs> I'm not I'm not over this this Colts debate still. I had to text Drew and tell him that I had to defend Tua on the show. He said, You wait till I get to fucking Spain to do this. I said, I'm sorry, bro. Someone had to do it. I'm sorry, Drew. I'm saying Drew CMM. I'm, I'm you're doing you're real. doing him dirty. I'm just keeping it real. This is how I feel. You you I expect this from because is you your Tua agenda? I don't have as big of a Tua agenda. I think I've, he's a I've fine said for the longest that the quarterback. You think he's the 28th best quarterback? That's how that speaks volumes as to how deep the quarterback oh, position is. I would take Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, I, Jones. I, 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 have not, I have not changed on this position. I think when ranking the quarterbacks of the 2019 NFL draft class or 2020, I believe it goes: Burrow, Herbert, their tier of their own. Just assuming off of like how they've played so far. Hurts. Shocked. Then it's Tua. But honestly, I see Jordan Love being that third best guy. He's going to be that third best no, guy. When it's all said and done, he's, he's going to be that third best guy. He's simply not. I'm not trying to disrespect Tua either. I think solid quarterback play, solid quarterback play. But like I just said, there's like 16 quarterbacks who can be elite week to week. And Tua has not brought teams to the playoffs. Mac Jones has. Baker has almost went to an AFC God, championship game. Mac Jones game. got fucking smoked by the Bills. If if Tua went to the playoffs in the first game they lost by 40, are we sitting here and really saying anything about it? It would be holding some meaning. Mac the Dolphins Jones, don't make Ma- the playoffs Mac very Jones, often. That means something to their franchise. Mac Jones got smoked by the Bills. But what was his stat line, Joel? I don't know off the top of my head, Did he honestly. throw an interception in that game? Uh, I, I don't know. I, he, I did he did not. He did not. Tua, week 17, faced the Bills. He threw three. Max Jones threw two interceptions. In that game? Yep. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> we move on. They weren't his fault. The, uh, of course. You saw them? Of course. They weren't I, his fault. I don't remember the top of my head. It was just I'm great plays by the defense. Uh, Tua, Tua or Jared Goff? Hey, Tua or Jared Goff? I'm taking Jared Goff. I'm taking Tua. Tua or Justin Fields? Justin Fields. Justin Fields in any place but Chicago. 
or Justin Fields in Chicago? Just how everything is today. Just yeah. Justin Fields is a prospect. Him. Justin Fields in Chicago. Tua. Tua or Daniel Jones. Tua. Tua. Yeah. I think you have Tua a little bit higher than you're anticipating. I have him around twenty three to twenty six. Okay, I have him at twenty. On to the next topic. The Steelers have a little bit of a quarterback dilemma of their own because they have three capable guys that can take the mantle week one, that can maybe do something. They have one and a half. I don't even know who the half is. Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and Kenny Pickett. Now, John, you've talked to me off the air multiple times, and you've raved about how much you love Kenny Pickett and how much of a franchise quarterback you think he is. So I'm assuming you think Kenny Pickett should win this quarterback battle because – you think he's one of those guys that can elevate the Steelers from one of the teams that you don't really care about to a team that, oh, now you're seeing they got a quarterback. That's their guy. I'm going to be honest with you, Joel. This isn't a quarterback competition. Mitch Trubisky is the week one starter. And the fact of the matter is you bring him in. You look at the Jets. You look at incompetent organizations. They're going to throw a quarterback out onto the fire. You had to throw that shot out there. That was such a stray. I got to keep it real. Many organizations, they want to see the franchise quarterback. They're just going to throw him out there and say, go figure it out. Sometimes live, sometimes they're trying to be Sam Darnold. And it's, oh, the quarterback's ruined. He's, he's defective. You look at the Steelers' schedule to start the season, and it's a little bit loose. But what the Steelers are going to do, the reason they brought in Mitch Trubisky for two years, $14 million, is so they can allow Kenny Pickett to get those mental reps. And then he's going to come in and be the starting quarterback. I expect Mason Rudolph to be traded, and if he can't get moved for a late day three pick, he'll, he'll probably be cut. So I took a quarterback in the seventh round who can kind of be our new Josh Dobbs. But for the Steelers, ultimately, they're in no rush to start Kenny Pickett because they want him to get those mental reps. He had a really good showing against the Seahawks' fourth-string team in in preseason. He was quick. He was decisive. He showed good mobility. And he made a very good throw to uh, Vons, Tyler Vons, for a game-winner 20-yard touchdown. This Steelers team doesn't need Kenny Pickett day one. Ultimately, the defense and Mike Tomlin are going to be what keeps them competitive. And so long as it's not a shootout, the Steelers can be almost any team in the NFL, outside the ones with a top-seven quarterback. We beat the Bills last year week one. We can beat almost any team when you have an elite head coach, yeah. an elite defense that's I got mean, refinement. The, the Jaguars beat the Bills last year. Are we saying the Jaguars beat any team? Okay. That no, is valid, but the Steelers, <laughs> there is a level of gravitas in Mike Tomlin. Yes, he's a great coach. The way he can promote players, the way he can get the most out of them. He, to me... The top five coach, and even if you're a Mike Tomlin hater, you can't deny it's a top ten coach. That's so it. the only argument I do think Tomlin is a phenomenal coach. Um, the only argument I have against it is the Steelers, their organization. You guys shove it in everyone's faces. How many Super Bowls you have? You, you win all these Super Bowls, whatever. Um, last ten years, what has Tomlin done to really accomplish anything in the playoffs? That's a very very valid point. But I said this before, not on this show. The best team in the playoffs does not always win. No, but over a 10-year span, you'd think sometimes they would. But do you look at the Steelers' injuries with Le'Veon Bell only for two playoff runs, and then he was gone, and say, oh, yeah, with D'Angelo Williams not being healthy, Martavis Bryant often doing the weed, our running backs were Josh Harris, who's now a bodybuilder, Fitzgerald <laughs> Tucson, is he in the NFL? Think yeah. about it. After his playoff game, definitely not. And even in the years where James Conner was hurt, was Benny Snell. And look, yeah. Benny Snell, yeah, I love the nickname. He's he's, he's terrible. But I don't I, mean, I don't dis- I don't disagree. But it's like if it was like a two year run where you like had Tomlin and a good court, like it was ten years really. Where like you had Ben, you had the quarterback, 
you had Tomlin, you had the coach, you had weapons, sure, Le'Veon missed some time, A.B. missed some time, Martavis, but, like, overall, damn near every year, you guys had weapons, and you yeah. had defenses, so, like, you had um, this decade run. I, Tomlin are, didn't, let, I think the big thing I want to ask this question. Is Mike Tomlin just, at least in the past 10 years, is he just some, is he basically Marvin Lewis? Oh, Oof. God. That's, that feels rude. Like, my soul, that pains me to say. I can't know. You look at Miles Jack, and the Steelers brought him in. A lot of these free agents, players are not going to Cincinnati to play for Marvin Lewis, though he's a fine coach. Players look at Mike Tomlin and say, I want to play for you. There is a standard set in Pittsburgh where it's, it's nothing less than a championship, not a, not a playoff win. And, yes, the Steelers not won a playoff game since 2016. I was in the seventh grade, eighth grade then. It's, it's been a long time. And there, there's two reasons for that. I talked about the injuries, unfortunate circumstances. The other is the greatest dynasty in my lifetime. It's the New England Patriots. I mean, straightforward, we're not being Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. Defensively, you look at the Steelers, they, they've put together a great defensive stars, and their linebackers are always going to produce. But there's always been holes. You look at the safety position, we splurge and go draft Terrell Evans too early. Same with the authority with Burns. Ari Burns is the definition of a bust. Devin Bush, he looks like a bust. I'm a big Devin Bush guy. And training camp, they're asking him, Devin, what do you feel like you have to prove to make sure in the Steelers next season? He just goes, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, <laughs> not a great they, answer. Yeah, they declined your player option after training up, making you their highest draft pick in this Plaxico burst. I mean, like, what do you think is the steps so you can make sure you're on the Steelers next year? Like, oh, uh, you know, I still be in the NFL, so, you know, we'll you see. You said that? Yeah, we'll yeah. see. How f- not great. And as a Steelers fan, I'm the same myself. Last year, this was a guy who was basically no presence in the running game. Now, to be fair, his linebacker coach had an unfortunate passing in his family, so he lost him in the middle of the season. His two defensive ends are out. But this dude literally did not try and run defense, and he often was not a presence in pass pro either as an off-ball linebacker. Just saying he was terrible last year. He lost his second season to a torn ACL. We've missed on many draft picks because we often reach on guys. And then when you play New England, Rob Gronkowski or even Chris Hogan tears us up because we, have, we, we can't match up defensively. They're starting to fill out those rough edges, though. You look at Larry and Joby out there. Stefan Dua, unfortunately, retired. He was a very pickup. solid pickup. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. Pickens. I think Miles Jack. We'll talk about it. Okay. We'll get into it. Pickens is awesome. The defense is only getting better and better, and you have the stars. I think it's all about continuity with them, and they've had a lot of unfortunate events. We beat the Jaguars if we have Ryan Shazio and he doesn't get paralyzed. I mean, that in and of itself, I, I think, is one of the two or three biggest reasons why we didn't go to the Zero Bowl. So we, because of Ryan Sh- Sh- Shazier, you couldn't beat Blake Bortles. Yes, we couldn't stop the run, and then Blake Bortles hung up 45 points on us. And then, so the train 45. Up get, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And their defense and Ryan had four interceptions. eliminates 45 he was points. He was a pro bowler within three years. And then he was we, fantastic. And then no, we no, hoped to get Devin Bush with the 10th overall pick. We could have used that on a cornerback or a safety that would have promoted this defense a little bit further. And I just think that's maybe the reason why we drafted another bus. So, but you drafted another bus. And you, yeah, also, you, ACL. you also just said that you think the Steelers are kind of rounding out the edges of this roster. Yeah. And you think you're probably more complete team now than you have been in years past. Would you agree? Disagree? When I look at the 2019 roster that was 8-5 and five to start the season, yes. Okay, but now you have Ben in 2019. That Was that the year? No, that was, that was the year he got hurt, right? Yeah. That was Mason Rudolph year. Um, but you look at the quarterback situation you have, you might have a more complete roster, but this is the worst quarterback situation you've had. I mean, Ooh, Mason Rudolph for a year, but... All right, look... I love Ben. He led the NFL last year in fourth quarter comebacks and game winning drives. And in the end of the season, he brought his team together and he gave us an opportunity. But Kenny Pickett right now is better than what Ben was yeah, last two seasons. I don't, I don't and disagree. So was Mitch. And That's the fair. reason why is what we're going to see, what we saw in the preseason game, 
we bring in Matt Canada last year to basically promote a short passing attack because Ben, after having the elbow, the tendons in his elbow literally ripped off and reattached. By the way, he's 39 years old and he can't move. So he's losing a lot of throwing power and a lot of accuracy on his deep ball because his lower body's not there. No, by the way, he's got the steel as he's well. Okay. It's a nice way. Yeah. He well, was, you put it in a nice way. So with that in mind, the Steelers, they couldn't move out the pocket. Matt Cannon is trying to promote this college-style offense where he's got the quarterback rolling out. What Kenny Picker reminds me of is Baker Mayfield and his ability to throw on the run. He's got a good arm. He's more mobile. He's more athletic than Baker. I think they're similar where, hey, look, they're probably not going to be top-ten quarterbacks, but they're going to be well above average. Baker okay. has a way better arm than him. Then, talking about Baker has way better arm than Pickett or Pickett has way better arm than Baker? Baker has a better arm than Pickett. I think Pickett's got a good arm, and I think Baker's got a, you know, a mini cannon. Yeah. The fact of the matter is. <laughs> <laughs> Mini Cannon's crazy. Go on. That's reasonable. For many guys, he's got a decent one. When you surround this. <laughs> yeah. Laughing at me? said <laughs> for many guys, got a decent one. <laughs> oh, nah. We're still, talk- we're still talking about his arm? No, we're talking about Kenny Pickett now. His arm? No, we're talking about this, the, the offense as a whole. I thought we were talking about his missile. Oh, it's Cannon. Sorry. Um, real <laughs> quick. Weird. Uh, I do think if Kenny Pickett keeps on progressing, I think they should start him. I think he's he's doing better in training camp. He's promoted to the second team. His first game, he was 7-for-7. Seven seven. Now, I, I said it on last week's show. He wasn't overly impressive. He just ran the offense. He made one really nice throw. He was um, mid. At the, yeah, on the sideline. Two, sorry. It was one... Um, one hash to the opposite sideline, and then the game-winning the game winning touch. I thought those were two really nice throws. But for Kenny Pickett, this is a guy who played five years at Pitt. He started for four years. He has plenty of reps. He's not like someone who only played for – he was in there as a freshman. He didn't play. He started two years, and now he's in the NFL. Kenny Pickett has four, yard, four years starting at Pitt. He's an older prospect than a lot of quarterbacks typically are. So I don't think he really needs to sit on the sideline for that long. Hold on sure, if you want to sit, start Mitch for a week or two just to get Pickett adjusted a little bit, I understand that. But coming out of the draft, most people's QB 1 and 2 were Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, whichever way. The biggest reason why people were in favor of Pickett, he was NFL ready. That's what everyone said. He had anticipation. He could throw with touch. He could read an NFL defense. He was been a four-year starter at Pitt. While Malik Willis had the physical tools... But he wasn't quite ready because he only started two years at Liberty. So we're expecting Kenny Pickett coming into draft season. He's NFL ready. He's ready to go. Now in training camp, he's got better. Preseason, he looked pretty good. Not great, but he he controlled the offense. And now all of a sudden, we're like, wait, let's see what Mitch has. I think he's like he's been a four-year four year starter at Pitt. He has a chance well, to start. I think ultimately it doesn't matter because if Mitch starts, he's losing the job by week six. <laughs> yeah. okay. And then Mason Rudolph, let's say he's a second-string quarterback, He's losing the job Pick, in three weeks. Pickett's to the second string right now. All right, so that means He's moving up the depth chart. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny Pickett starting by week five, week no, six. No. So here's the thing, Mitch. He better look over his shoulder because if he has two bad weeks, he's gone. It's like the Steelers' schedule. They start off in Cincinnati. They're not going to have Pickett start on the road. Then the reason why, let's put it this way: number one, the gap between Trubisky and Pickett to me is not a gap. I think they're they're right there neck and neck, quite frankly. But when you invest in a guy, this is my problem with the Najee Harris pick. When you invest a first-round pick in a guy, you want to push all your trips to that pick, all your chips to that pick hitting. And so, if Kenny Pickett, you don't want to throw him out there against the Jets, and then he's got to go up against Josh Allen, and Tom Brady, maybe the two best quarterbacks in football. One of which on the road, that's super tough for any young quarterback, and that can kill their confidence to a certain degree. You want to push all those chips, so they're going to go up against Tua, tugging a Tua in Week Seven, 
and then Jalen Hurts in Week 8. That is when Kenny Pickett will start because when Mitch Trubisky is thoroughly outmanned against Buffalo and Tampa Bay, after those two weeks when the Steelers lose both of those games, he won't be the starter. And like you said, it won't matter, but ultimately you want to push all of it to Kenny Pickett hitting, and the best way to do that is by taking your time with him. And yeah, he's an old head. He'll be 29 by the time June 6th is his birthday. He's on his second contract, but the fact of the matter is you want to still take your time with him to fully develop. This week in the NFL, mine is Amon Ross St. Brown naming every single receiver that was drafted in front of him. I thought it was a cool moment. And Lamar Jackson going to uh, halt all negotiations for his contract extension when week one starts, which means that the Ravens have to get a deal done quickly with Lamar Jackson because maybe he doesn't play if an extension isn't done. The report is the Ravens are willing to pay more than what Kyler Murray got. Oh, they should. He's better than Kyler Murray. I agree. Um, We'll see if it actually happens. This week in the NFL, Duran James this morning got extended four years, $76.4 million. $19.1 19.1 million average, which is the highest for safety ever. 42 million guaranteed money. Derwin James dealt with injuries throughout his career, but when he's on the field, he is one of the best safeties in the league. He has the skills to uh, and pass the defense, run defense. We know he's one of the most complete safeties in the league. Just stay on the field, be healthy, but well deserved for Derwin James. Why do I keep struggling with pass defense? It's not pass defense. What, what pass coverage? I guess. Yeah, I, I struggled twice with that word. That phrase, I guess. Pass coverage? Is that what you go with? Pass coverage, pass defense. I think it's mm-hmm. both the same thing. So, my this week in the NFL, as a kid, I played football. Number one reason why is Troy Polamalu. And when I watched him as a kid, he, he just, for many reasons, stood out to me. And I started playing the year after 2012. And that season in college football is a special one for Johnny Manziel. I had the same name as me. Awesome season. And then at Notre Dame, Manti Teo was taking the football world by storm with a heroic story of him climbing up the Heisman race after the the unfortunate passing of his grandmother and his girlfriend. And yesterday, on Tuesday, Netflix documentary comes out on the, part of the Untold series, which is terrific, The Girlfriend That Never Existed. It's Manti Teo's documentary. I watched it before, and it was truly heartbreaking. Part of the reason I started playing football is because I called stars like him. And I'm not going to get too deep into it. You should totally watch if you haven't. I even have a Netflix subscription. I got it just for this. I got to tune in. It's a story of Manti just having his dignity stripped from him and the wealth that he could have gotten as a first-round draft pick and the personal struggles that came with the story, so embarrassing. And one of my biggest takeaways is for how quickly the media will build you up, they'll tear you down two times faster. Mm-hmm. And so often you don't know the story, but if you're on Twitter, some idiot like me, you're going to be typing away and you never know what's actually going on. And Manti's story is heartbreaking. There, there's no other way to put it. It's it's sad. And the, it, it's so unbelievable to think about all of these things happening at the same time. It's so many different sequences of events going against him. And he, he's a man of faith. It, it's just, it's tragic what happened to him in his NFL career. I felt like quite frankly, what could have been all pro, a Pro Bowl linebacker, all that confidence, it all stripped from him. And I, I think it's just not just heartbreaking, but it's just devastating in a way. And it's also in 2012, this was years before online dating or anything that was really a thing. Like now we think of it so commonly, like everyone who's single has Tinder downloaded, right? And just so common to meet people online. In 2012, that wasn't the case, right? Like you hear this story, like you're meeting someone online, you've been talking to them, you don't even know if they're real, like... During that time period, it seemed so weird, but, like, looking back 10 years later, you're like, 
that's where the world was going. So I haven't watched the documentary, but really interested. How long is the documentary? Two parts. I think it was about an hour long for each. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. Definitely tune in. Who and how tight end edition? Which tight end is going to have a breakout season and how is it going to happen? Joel? You want me to go first? Oh, I thought you were going to say Joel. Go ahead or something. You just stopped at Joel. Oh, no. Nah, I just said okay. Joel. You call me Joel. Rip calls me Dells. Should I just call you Dells? I don't know. I've been I've low-key been torn like internally. Should I change my name on Twitter from Joel to Dells? I feel like that's going to be a big step for me. It's Joel Dells. My at name. I'm saying like my like regular name. You no. know what I'm saying? It's going to be a big day, but we'll get there when we get there. My who and how breakout tight end edition is going to be Kyle Pitts. You know how high I am on him. I think currently he's a top three tight end in the NFL. He's one of the best pass catching tight ends in the NFL. One of the best draft tight end prospects of all time. Last season, second best rookie tight end of all time. The second tight end in NFL history to have a thousand yards as a rookie. Just him and Mike Dicka only had one touchdown. You can talk to Julio Jones about that. For whatever reason, Matt Ryan does not like throwing touchdowns to his best weapon. And I know Mariota is a downgrade from Matt Ryan, but if you look at the years he had with Delaney Walker, he had some career seasons. His rookie year, Mariota, that is. He, uh, Delaney Walker had 94 receptions, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns. He had three straight seasons of 100-plus targets. Mariota's going to target the tight end. Kyle Pitts is electric. He's talented. I'm expecting him to take a step up and be consensus top three tight end, not me and my hot takes, as some people would say. Solid one. You know, Kyle Pitts is tremendous, one of the best tight end prospects, and what that overshadows is a stud tight end in Pittsburgh by the name of Pat Ryder Muth. Muth! Okay. And that's the first and last time doing this in the show. As a rookie, had 60 receptions, 497 yards, 7 TDs, all while not being the starter week one, he had two concussions as a rookie and a quarterback that couldn't get out the pocket to extend a play or throw it to the middle of the field. Now, whether the, the starter is Kenny Pickett by season's end or Mitch Trubisky, you're going to have a mobile quarterback that can extend the play, can get him the ball in the middle of the field and in the red zone. While Najee Harris is our go-to guy, Pat Fryermuth is going to be a constant lob target. He's a go-getter. He has amazing hands, very good catch radius. I think he's going to have a tremendous season this year. I'm expecting him to go from seven TDs to a dozen 497 yards to we'll go with 850. He touchdowns? Me, yeah, man. I see a lot of Tyler Eifert growth in him. The way Eifert <laughs> became 2015, 13 TDs, I can see a lot of that in Pat Frymuth. He's much better. And I can see him going from 60 receptions to like 75 with, like I was trying to say, 497 yards to we'll go 850. And second guy, I'm not sure if one of you two are going to shout it out, but I'm in Drew's seat. Albert L. When you talk about a third year tight end, he's not only going to get Russell Wilson coming in and starting opportunities, but this is a guy who has a ton of talent. He's got the size. He's got the speed. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes from three touchdowns to six or seven this year. I mean, th he can be a constant game changer, a guy that can create mismatches. He only had 500. No, I'm looking at Tyler Conklin's another name. He, he, he's going to go from 330 yards this year to, I think, at least 600. You know, there's only four players who had 12 touchdowns or more last year. Yeah. I think Pat Frymuth is that good. Okay. The Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf. Pat Fryermuth is special. In the I, someone on Twitter said that Fryermuth had a better rookie season than Kyle Pitts. Which I disagree with. But he did have seven times more touchdowns. So. Matt Ryan. He'll do yeah, it he, to you. in the red zone. But yeah. This one is pretty easy for me. It's Albert O. Playing with Russell Wilson, now being the starter in Denver, he's going to double his yardage. He was fifth in yards. Um, he, was, he was fifth in yards per route run in the last two seasons and top 10 in Yak amongst all tight ends. So I think having him be the number one tight end in Denver with Russell Wilson there, I think he's going to have a big time year. And then not only that, but the Tim Patrick injury, 
just opens up more targets for him. I think Albert O is one of the more dynamic players at the tight end position in the league, and he will be a top 10 tight end by the end of the season. I think, uh, not, did you say Tyler Conklin? Yeah, I mentioned him. Okay. He's a little honorable. Yeah. Tyler Conklin, he seems to be uh, solidifying himself as that tight end one over CJ Uzama, even though we gave Uzama more money and signed him first. Conklin, who is the more explosive tight end in, in a pass catching role, has had a real connection with Zach. And I wouldn't sleep on Isaiah Likely. Oh, he he looked great in the preseason. You have Andrews there, but I mean they just don't have they pass always, catchers. They always have yes. a bunch of different tight ends. Yeah, on there. they don't have the their formations. They're going to use two tight ends a lot. If he can block, it's a plus. Yes, that's going to be huge for him because he looked good as a receiver. And on to the next topic, NBA topics for the last three segments of the show. LeBron is extend is going to stay in the with the Lakers. He agreed to a two-year, $97.1 million deal. It includes a third-year player option, and that makes LeBron the highest-earning NBA player in NBA history with $523 million in guaranteed money. Now, he, do- he doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract, but if he does get traded, he has a 15% trade kicker for that. He is 38 years old. And with this extension, now the Lakers could have north of $20 million in cap space in the 2023 offseason, and they will have a max cap space what? slot in 2024. Oh, 2024? Mm-hmm. Is he off the – no, that's his player option. Russell Westbrook yeah. will be off the Bucks. Yes. I think this is awesome for LeBron. Shout out to him. He's in Los Angeles for a reason. And look, Drew, you may be listening to, it, to this. The fact of the matter is he's not winning another championship with the Lakers. I hate to be the bearer of bad news and all. But when you look at the Lakers' the last two seasons, you can have reason for, in theory, but they haven't shown you any, anything to give them the benefit of the doubt. Anthony Davis is crippled, per usual. Maybe this year he can stay healthy. And then you have Russell Westbrook. He's not going to fit there, no matter what role he's throwing, because you have to be an added player next to LeBron. And Russell Westbrook just isn't, and that's not going to change. I think Darvin Ham is a very good hire. But Lonnie Walker is not going to fix his team. He's a much worse fit than Malik Monk, because Lonnie is an isolation scorer. It doesn't work with LeBron James. You're not looking for that. You're looking for a guy who can knock down shots at a high level. He's not going to bring that. And I think that that core defensive utility that they had in a guy like Alex Caruso, a lot of that has not been restored with this team. And so I think for LeBron, in terms of staying in Los Angeles, is a great move. And I think his legacy is already solidified. But when we look at LeBron's last few years in the NBA, we're not going to see him go out with a title with the Lakers. That's just not going to happen here because, like I just said before, They've given you nothing to show. This team actually can contend in Western Conference that is only continuing to get more deep. I've said this a lot on this show, and I'll say it again. The Lakers and LeBron got lucky with the bubble year. I'm talking about in terms from a legacy standpoint because they won a championship, but had it not been for that year, which is a huge just just a weird season. I'm not taking it away from him. I know it counts. We're talking about one of the biggest failures in NBA history in terms of LeBron going to L.A. and not winning. Every season outside of the bubble has been a complete and utter failure. His first season, he gets hurt. They drop out the playoffs. They miss it. Then the, the year after the bubble, they lose in the first round with A.D. and LeBron both on the court, both Healthy, they were coming back for injury, but they were playing. Anthony Davis, I know, got hurt in that series. Then this past season, the Russell Westbrook disaster, they missed the playoffs. They've missed, LeBron has missed the playoffs 50% of the time in L.A. They're probably missing the playoffs this upcoming season. It doesn't matter if they're going to have a max 
cap slot in 2024 because LeBron's going to be 40 years old and LeBron's time is done. I know he's still a top player in the league, but his time of going to the playoffs and getting out the first round and making these runs, they're done. They're over with. It's not happening again. This extension made it clear. LeBron just wants to live in L.A. He wants to retire there, and he doesn't care about winning a championship again. He doesn't. And also, Bronny's eligible to be drafted in 2024. So if he's a top prospect, then the Lakers and LeBron won't have a say in where he goes. But let's say he's not and he's an undrafted free agent. Then, yeah, it gives him a clear pathway to go to the Lakers and and play with LeBron. I feel the same way. First of all, shout out LeBron. Most guaranteed money of all time by a player. First or second best player in NBA history. However you want to slice it, as long as it's Jordan LeBron, I'm not going to argue with you. I feel the same way. I think this just solidifies that this is the last stage of LeBron's career. If he this was 32-year-old LeBron, he wanted to win another championship, he's not signing this extension. I know it's you kind of scoffed when he said they're not going to make the playoffs, and I feel like a lot of people feel that way too because when you have AD and LeBron, you're almost expecting that these two guys can elevate teams and just make it work. We'll figure it out. This roster sucks. Like, there's no way around it. This roster is bad. The Russell Westbrook experience last year wasn't good. This year with the new head coach, we're hoping offensively, the big plan is put him in the corner so he can shoot corner threes. Lock in defensively. Things that Russell Westbrook really has not done throughout his career. Now you're expecting him at a later age to do that as a number three option. I don't think he's really going to get behind it. And you also have the the rumors of AD being the number one option offensively. It sounds great. Can can AD play 50 games? Who knows? If he's not going to be on the court for half the games, how can he be your number one option? So this all falls back on LeBron. The only thing I'm really interested in here is I think he wants to stay in LA just because his family's there. His kids go to school there and everything. Um, And he has like his whole thing with HBO. He produces shows and movies and stuff like that. But I'd be curious if, you know, management has something in place for Kyrie, or at least it's the rumor is they're willing to give up two first-round picks now, which should be a no-brainer. Like, at this point, go all out, try to get Kyrie, because I would much rather have him than Westbrook as my number two or three option, depending if AD is able to stay on the court. So I'm curious if, you know, when they sign the extension, like, hey, like, you know, Kyrie's a real possibility. We're willing to give the two first-round picks. We're just waiting on KD to get traded first or something like that. So that's the only thing I'm curious about, because if they do get Kyrie, Makes things a little bit more interesting. But for now, this just solidifies LeBron's in the last stage of his career, and he's cool just right into the sunset. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. Saying the Lakers' LeBron tenure has been a failure, look, I get it. The Lakers' expectation year in and year out is championships. But what do we play for? Championships. And they've won a championship. It's been mostly a failure. 25% of the time they've hit. 75% of the time, they've not lived with expectation in part to injuries, in part to not buying into the coach, in part of highly incapable roster moves and transactions and what have you. But, I mean, you can't look at that and say it's a failure. They've talked about this in the show, Drew. It's a disappointment, a major disappointment, because Anthony Davis should be a top-five player in the game. But in reality, like you said, the bubble, the reason the Lakers got lucky was because they had a four-month hiatus, so Anthony Davis's body was in the right shape, and his shots were going in then. Anthony Davis is not this renowned jump shooter that he was in the bubble. I mean, let's just keep it a buck, and that's why people are saying, this dude's top five. Well, P.J. Tucker and all these guys are saying, we have to let him make these shots because that's a win for us, so long as he's not getting to the paint. But realistically, he's not going to make those shots again. You look at his work ethic when he's shown you the last few seasons, there's nothing to suggest we can give this guy the benefit of the doubt. 
But shout out to LeBron. I'm happy for him. It's just really sad he's going to ride into the sunlight with a crippled AD and not really much else to show outside a highly incapable front office, in my opinion. But I will say, with Darvin Ham, I, I scoffed because the Lakers missed the playoffs last year, not just because of Russell Westbrook, but they gave up on the season. Why? They weren't in the Frank Vogel. Dorfman Ham is a former players. He's a former player, a players coach, and he's wanted to learn something from each of his stops in Atlanta, Milwaukee. He was in the Lakers in 2010. I think for them this was a brilliant hire because you can rebuild with him. You can try to win now with him. He's a tough guy. It's not going to fill up with any BS. In the end of the day, contender, no way. The team's not good enough. But it's hard to say they won't make the playoffs with a little new juice, a little more energy to to get this team into the defensive end of the ball where they can be a top 10 defense. I think realistically they can be, even with Anthony Davis playing only 55 games. Are they a better team than the Kings, roster-wise? <laughs> the fact that you have to think about it tells me you think the Kings are a better roster. thing is, like, if there was just one playing game, I would take the Lakers. It all comes down to the plan. If it's Lakers versus Kings in the plan, I'll take the Lakers. I'm taking the Lakers. The Air Fox the is cooking Westbrook. Dude, they have LeBron James. Like and for one game, is cooking AD for one game. Playing. Like that's uh, it's tough, but for one game, if you said they're playing each other, I'm taking the Lakers. I think it's very kind of you to promote the Kings in a positive light, and like I think that a cute off season, but like you, you just hit the nail on the head. When it comes down to playing, no matter what you think, these are playing teams, and you just yeah. got to win one or two games. So yeah, I'm going to Lakers, but I did have to think about that. Giannis recently said in a, in, a po- in a press conference when he was asked a question if he'd ever consider playing in Chicago that he said, I think anybody you ask that question plays basketball, if he said no, he'd be a liar. It's a team that won multiple championship chips. It's a team that, that has one of the greatest players ever, if not the greatest player to ever play this game, played for. So it's a no-brainer. Everybody would love to play for Chicago. Now, what are the odds this actually happens, that Giannis is a Chicago Bull? Now, he has four years remaining on his contract, which means that DeMar won't be there. Vucevic won't be there. Levine will probably still be there. He'll be there. Lonzo, maybe he'll be there. Caruso, possibly. I don't know. What what does a Giannis and Levine core sound like? If I'm a Bulls fan, that sounds fucking hot. <laughs> I'm in. Um, the question is, will Giannis actually go to Chicago? And... At first glance, it seems unlikely, right? If you look at Giannis's contract, he signed till he's 31, 32 years old through like 2027 or whatever it is, right? So from a contract perspective, it's like, no, it's probably not going to happen. But John, we were talking, you know, before the show. And if you really break down the Bucks roster, Chris Milton's getting up there in age. And we don't really know if Drew Holiday is that number two guy that could lead you to a championship. But in today's NBA, where we see Kevin Durant sign a four-year extension and then the next, and pick the coach, and then the next year say, oh, I want out. Anything's possible. If Giannis for the next couple of seasons, whether Chris Middleton goes down again or something happens to him or, you know, we saw Brooke go down, whoever it might be, if they're not in the finals over the next two years, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he demands a trade. Now, it is pretty tough, I think, to say, I demand a trade. I want to go to one team. That's going to be pretty hard. You're really tying Milwaukee's hands at that point because they have no leverage there. If you say, I'm only going to Chicago and nowhere else, it's going to be hard for them to get a deal done. So, I think overall, Giannis probably isn't going to stay with the Bucks his entire career. He'll eventually maybe end up at Chicago, but it's does Giannis end up in Chicago as this Giannis, that MVP, best player in the league Giannis, or three, four years down the line when he's 30-plus years old, what does he look like? Because 
as of right now, his game doesn't look like it's going to age well. But as we've seen, he has progressed as a jump shooter and three-point shooter, a bit inconsistent. But we know he's a hard worker. We know he's someone who goes into the offseason, works on his game. So I don't put it past him that he's able to, you know, improve his game to the fact that he could age a lot better than it is now, where it's just a lot more physicality and athleticism. But it's going to be hard for him to get to Chicago with the way his current contract is situated. Now, Giannis is very generous. These comments are very generous. I mean, he talked about how, I mean, who wouldn't want to play for the Bulls for a team that has won multiple championships? And that was in the 90s. That was 20 years ago, 20-something years ago, 25 years ago. Giannis is being extremely generous. I'm not going to say I think he's lying, but if he seriously thinks that, I think there's something wrong with Giannis in terms of his thought process when thinking about Chicago. There's no way this happens. And there's no way that I think other players, I, I believe this, that they want to play in Chicago. If there's a team you want to play for, I think it's New York. It's the Mecca. You want to go to the Garden. You want to be under no the bias. You want to be in, a, in the bright lights. You want to be playing with the blue and the orange on your jersey. And they said about LeBron, too. And I, I think, you know, Giannis, I, I wish they would have asked him a better question. I wish they would have asked him, you know, if you could pick between New York and Chicago, what would you rather have? And I think he'd go New York. Because it's the Mecca. It's basketball. That hasn't gotten any and, big free and agent. Chicago, as as good as their offseason was this, oh, this the past like. as good as their offseason was the past offseason, let's be serious. This team has a limited ceiling. They're not going very far. And they're stuck. So they better hope they do get Giannis because if they don't, this team is probably just gonna be stuck in mediocrity and not go anywhere. Giannis is going to his tenth season in Milwaukee. You see the best bucket franchise history? He's going to be. Is he right now if he retired today? Probably is. Yes or no? He is. It's not, rid- it's not ridiculous. Sound like OG now. Him or Kareem, they both brought a title. My pick is Giannis. Like, I was going to say, I saw Giannis. You know, like, I witnessed him. So, yeah. like, I'm biased there. Now, first off, yes, New York is the basketball mecca. And while Chicago is not reeled in any fridge and sat inside Carlos, Carlos Boozer and washed up Hal Gasol, New York's not racking free agents either. Hal Gasol was not washed up. I mean, he was at the end of his career. DeMar would have been your biggest end, free agent yeah. signing of my lifetime. Carmelo? There, that was, not, a, that was a, a trade, trade where you got your trade. entire roster Amari to get him. Amari Stoudemire? Oh, okay. Towards his the end of his career. I would say, he was, yeah, his first year he was great. Let's see what DeMar does. He could drop That's fair. Okay. Amari's fair. And with the Bulls, you were saying the next praises when they made the, the top four seed, and you were saying there'd be a f- number four seed in 2021. The Bulls, for the better part of last season, were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. It's not going to happen again. I agree with you. But, hey, if you're going to give DeMar $85 million, I'll take that if he can make us relevant after ma- not making the playoffs in five years and a, a failed rebuild. So, And also with Giannis, the other thing, too, is he's sincere. He's going to say it how it is. But, dude, there's a good chance Giannis does not stay in Milwaukee for the rest of his career. We're talking about it. Chris Milton had the same knee injury twice last year. He's now 31 years old. And truth be told, he is what makes them a contender. Giannis is what takes them to the highest level. But Chris Milton is that guy. He is a terrific number two. And without him, you're not a contending team. Drew Holiday is very good defensively. Why are you looking at me funny? How are they not a contending team? Because you have no one that could run a pick and roll, no one that can give you a buck from the perimeter without Chris Middleton. It took the Celtics, who made the finals, to seven games. Merely because of Giannis on the Kumpo and Brooke Lopez. Because Giannis by himself can take you that far. And that was that's and why they're a contender. The Celtics not really putting it together until the end of that series, and Mike Boonholzer. So it's just funny how it's, it's just funny how um, 
Lane Grant rolling to shoot wide open. Chris Middleton, before this past playoff run where they, they won the finals, was viewed as the liability. He was viewed as the guy that... No one was saying that. Liability. No one was about? calling him he, a liability. He had games they were, they were where he disappeared. Ta- he you, had games where he disappeared. About? But he was still very good defensively. They were talking about Chris Middleton as, can you actually win with him being your second guy? No, they weren't. They're talking yes, about Giannis. They were. You no, were, they talking, were making videos on Giannis saying, can you win with Giannis as your number one guy? No one was talking about Chris, Chris Middleton. Middleton. Because you need a better second guy. That's why. No. He Chris Middleton couple, proved it last year in a, a, in a, in a playoff down games run. The Nets. He had a lot of down games. In a playoffs, he routinely does not perform to now his level. Now look at Drew Holiday, one of the most inconsistent playoff performers in all offense. There's games where he can't make a layup, he can't make a three, but he can't do nothing. That's the fact that you said score? Chris Middleton took them over the top, are you serious? That's not... You said Chris Middleton. You said Chris Middleton. He literally said... Giannis takes them over the top, and he took that and said, Chris No, you said Chris Middleton makes them a contender. Yes. Without him, you're not a true contender because Giannis can only do so much consistently year after year. I understand his logic. Bro. Giannis if, is not going to do this for the next four years with the, no Chris the, Middleton. Would the Bucks beat in Miami in the conference finals? With no Chris Middleton? No. They were not beating Miami with no Chris. Well, they took Boston to seven. And, you know, they, let's say the Bucks and he goes That Miami defense would have tore them to shreds. You think so? Absolutely. Because Grayson Allen was your best scorer. I mean, like I said, Drew Holiday is so inconsistent. He's just a constant invariable. You can't rely on him. He can't run a pick and roll consistently enough. Why are you looking at me funny? He's a very good defender. You can argue he was the second most valuable player on the Bucks championship run. But you need both of them is what I'm getting at here. And Chris Milton, because of what he can do as a scorer, going off for 40 points, while being above average to very good defender, is more valuable than Drew, who's a six foot three guard that can't really switch on the bigger wins. He can't, he can't guard a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James. Yeah, that extra inch. It, that Hello. matters. He, he, he's thick, too. He's strong. Wow. He can't he can't guard a LeBron. He can't guard a KD. Chris Middleton can? He has more size, too. And offensively, he can give you four. Wait, wait. Who, who was guarding KD in the playoffs when they made the finals run? Was it Chris Middleton? Or who was it? Who was, it was P.J. Tucker. Okay, right. Who, who was guarding, routinely guarding the better players on the opposing end? I'm not denying was it Chris Middleton? Drew was a better defender. He's a much better defender. Does but not a, Chris Milton provides more value to this team as a ball handler, initiator, okay, and scorer. offensively. But here's the thing. He's way more consistent defensively, and he brings value in that end as well. He's Who's more good. consistently defensively? Chris Milton's defense is more consistent than Drew Holiday's offense. What? Drew Holiday is not reliable on offense in the playoffs. He, in, the, in the regular season, he'll give you 19 points per game, an above-average playmaker, and he's going to be efficient. But in the postseason, we've seen him for two years now, he... He can't be this elite perimeter defender. And at the same time, a guy that's going to consistently be number three scorer. And if you're asking him to be number two, he, you're, you're over your head because he's shown he can't do that. Last year, it was ugly in that Boston series. It was not pretty. And we saw the same thing in 2021. Do you think if Middleton, say he's not in the Bucks for whatever reason, are the Bucks still consistently championship contenders with just Giannis, Drew Holiday, and pieces? If they marginally upgrade. or No, What's, not if they upgrade, but if they replace Middleton with a player that maybe not be on that's not on his level, but a little bit below him. Yes. What are some realistic names they can acquire? I think if they had like they can't require him, but I think they can't acquire him. But if they had Desmond Bain, they're the same. They're not getting him. I know they're not getting him, but I'm saying it's a player, realistic stuff. A player of that level. Okay, let me just the name. I think maybe a realistic candidate to replace Chris Milton in three years, where maybe these knee injuries pile up, and he's not getting more than 14, 15 points a game, and he loses a lot of that juice. Let's just say Buddy Healed. Yeah, it's not kind of it. As, yeah, a, it's just as, a, as a floor spacer, that, that'd help him a lot, But though. you need an initiator. That's what I'm t- an initiator and a go-to bucket. You need but a, he a volume without, without that initiator, Giannis still was averaging 30-plus in the playoffs. 
We're talking about winning a championship here. We're not talking about Giannis is terrific. He's the best player they in the They took the NBA. team that went to the finals to seven games. But to win a championship, you need all those pieces of the puzzle, and you're missing several without Chris Middleton. So Chris Middleton is the end-all, be-all for the Bucs winning a championship or not winning You have to replace him with somebody who's at least going to give you 80% of his. You're massively underrating a guy that's top 30, top 35, and a terrific fit next to Giannis. I mean, there may not be a better fit I'm not underrating him. him. I'm just saying, I mean, I when I watched the finals, it was Giannis who dropped 50 in a closeout game versus the Suns in game six, right? But who brought them there when Giannis was down against the Hawks? Middleton. And he had, a, he had a great game. He has those moments where they're invaluable. They then can he has then game. he has those moments where he's shit. But even still, he's providing a ton of value. He's a very good that, defender. Let's not act like that's bro. That's literally the first playoff run. Chris Middleton was consistent, and he was really only consistent on home in home games. So do you remember that series against the Bucks where he, they took you all to seven? He made that ridiculous game winner, and he averaged twenty four on basically sixty percent shooting. I guess that just slipped. And Chris, it Chris Middleton kills like he is the Celtic killer. He always destroys us. Yeah, no, that was his only. 2020 only only good playoff. Yeah, he destroys us. Basically, I feel like every time we play the Bucks, well, Chris up. Middleton Playoff run is not a us. series. I hope you know that. That does not that's not me once. They got knocked down in seven. Chris Middleton, the you're coach. talking about you're talking about the 1920 season, right? No, the I'm 20, talking about 2018. Come on, you're in the game. Seven games. The tw- let listen. 2019-2018 season when Milwaukee they faced <sighs> the Magic and the Heat. That was the bubble year. Not Chris, ta- the year the- I'm I'm gonna go through them. Chris Middleton averaged 20 points. He averaged six assists, seven rebounds, shot 39% from field and 30, 35% right. from three. You're avoiding You're talking about the seven-game seven sample size. Yeah. Yes, where he, where he averaged 25, 5, he and 5 on 60% Yes, and they fucking lost. <laughs> so he, he, he played right in and he lost. You said that was his only time he showed up in the playoffs, but he, he's showing many I times I said for before. a consistent playoff run. That's okay. one series, bro. That We're going to count that, was, that as a playoff run. One series is a playoff run. That was such an impressive and terrific feat. I consider it. I think about it because it was amazing. They maybe get, they lose in five games without him. I mean, he took them into a game seven. What about in 2018-2019 when they lost in the conference finals to the Raptors? What about that series? The bad series for Chris Middleton. Oh, let, me, let me see how bad it was. Wow. Chris Middleton averaged 14 points. But I'm not talking about production. <laughs> I'm talking about value. In the conference finals. I'm talking about value he brings to his team. Without that value, they lose. With that value, they win a championship. So that's that's the variance. With him, you win a championship. And with he's not him, he's well. inconsistent, though. He is a, he's an inconsistent playoff performer. But the totality of what he brings you is so necessary to this team to contend at the highest I'm not level. saying that they don't need Chris Middleton. I'm saying that he can be replaced. It's hard to replace this guy when you're picking in the late 20s each and every single year. And ultimately, year Giannis. it's Giannis makes them go, and Giannis makes them contenders. It's both. But you're going to notice Giannis can't give you 75 games in the next four seasons and he turns 31 years old Why not? without a Chris Middleton. Because it's unrealistic for any player that's... His game is so physically demanding, it's unrealistic. He has had to play center this last season when Brooke Lopez has not been healthy. You're undervaluing the the physicality of the NBA game and you're playing the center spot and you're constantly bumping and bruising with tougher guys that weigh 250 Wait, so now it's about pounds. Chris Middleton being injured. Now it's about Brooke Lopez being injured. You're missing what I'm We're I'm talking about Chris here. Middleton at first. Now we're talking about Brooke Lopez. When Giannis has to carry the load the way he did in that Boston series for over an entire season that Chris Middleton may not be president, all while consequently playing center because Brooke Lopez is getting to that age coming up back surgery where he's not going to be that reliable starter yeah, Giannis is more susceptible to be hurt because there's more wear and tear. There's more mileage in his body. Nobody's talking about susceptibility to be hurt. We're talking about 
Giannis, even with those, even with Chris Middleton being hurt, took Boston to seven, took a team that made the finals to seven. He ultimately could have beat that team. But that's not a They had a chance to beat that team. Uh, that's not sustainable long term. That's not. You can't expect him to do that. So you don't think so you don't think if there's a series where Chris Middleton is hurt. The entire Gian- thing. Giannis can't put the put the, put the bucks on his back and clutch out that series. If they're playing in Miami. You don't think that's there's no way that happens. If they're playing Boston, Malcolm Brogdon, Miami, or heck, even Philadelphia, no, he's not beating those teams that are more complete. He's not. Why are you looking at me funny? I'm not. I'm looking at you. I normally look at people. <laughs> I'm not looking at you funny. I think that's a valid point, but that's not what you were originally saying. You said Chris Middleton makes them contenders. And as he ages, if these knee injuries continue to pop up and he regresses, and you can't replace that value that he brought to the table. You're saying the Bucks are Giannis done. Is, I'm not saying they're that's done. That's what you're basically saying. They're still going. You're be, saying if Chris Middleton is is not who he is, the Bucks are done as contenders. They're not top. Th- they're not top flight, top three team in the East, but they're still a quality playoff team. They can get to the second round each and every single season. But I don't know if we win a championship in four straight playoff series without that type of player next to him. It's just not realistic. And but I think just drafted, if Giannis sees that, they just drafted Christian. I mean, Christian Braun's on the team, right? He's in the Nuggets. He's on the Nuggets. So right? Marjan Buchamp. Joel, do you think? Uh, say we'll for say. whatever. Say Chris Middleton leaves, they replace him. Not the same caliber, a couple tiers down. Then you're, are you expecting Drew Holiday to be the number two, and Giannis could still carry them in a championship? I think that as long as they have an offensive option that's good, that Drew Holiday can now take a back seat and focus solely on defense, they'll be fine. Drew where Holiday, is this, where is the scoring and pick and roll initiating coming from? Grayson Allen, who is like you know a, a total liability on defense. Not, he just literally said we were replacing Chris Middleton with a player. I know, but I'm saying not like to Chris if, Middleton's if, if caliber. They can, if they can replace him with like a Karis Levert. Oh my! They'll be God, fine. Saw him playing game. He couldn't even. He averaged twenty and ten in the playoffs. What are you talking about? Karis, Karis uh, Levert was not in the postseason this in, last in year. The bubble, Karis in Levert, the bubble, he averaged twenty and ten in the playoffs against the Raptors. Did you not see that series? Four game sample size. You just used a seven game sample size for Chris Middleton. That was a meaningless series that he was not going to win. He got killed. He didn't even win a single game. Chris Middleton won so, three games. So you're talking about? Oh, stop! Stop! Karis Levert is not good. He's a spark plug. I was going to say Karis Levert is not good. Yeah, Karis Levert's good, but he's a few tiers down for Middleton. First off, Karis Levert, I love him as a person. Amazing story. But paying him $18 million a year. Hey, let me me speak. Paying him $18 million a year to constantly be injury prone. And, oh, by the way, he's not a good defender. He's not reliable. Not a consistent enough playmaker. All he's going to really do if he was be consistently inconsistent and injured. Colin Sexton I like, but even still, he's not that same type of wing player that they need. He's he's black size. He's not a wing player they need, but I'm saying... He's that good. still gives you the offense that you need that could possibly replace Chris Middleton's offense. You want that size. I think Sexton gave him 85% of that production. I think with Sexton, yeah, you're you're a low-end contender. So Sexton, yes. Karis LeVert, absolutely not. Karis LeVert is not very good. <laughs> and I hate what about Buddy Heald? No, he's just a, a floor volume, spacer. He's just a volume three-point shooter that's not taking you to the next level. It's not. It's, it's okay. ver- that's basically what Grayson Allen is. Well, Chris Middleton takes you to the next level. Yes, he's a bona fide all-star. He's awesome. He's terrific for what they need. I'm just saying, I mean, had it not... I know Chris Middleton was great, but had it not been for Giannis being historically fucking great, they don't do shit. I am well aware Chris Middleton's not making you a contender, but in order for Giannis to win at the highest he level, he needs Chris Middleton he had next to He 50. Needs a, he needs a Robin, just like every superstar has ever needed. But That's it, what I'm saying. Is it not a fact that Giannis has the worst Robin amongst all duos that have a Robin? Um, no, he's... I would take him over many Robins, quite frankly. I would take Chris Middleton over Anthony Davis. In terms of who I'd rather have, yes. Who is Fully better? healthy? 
No, because Anthony Davis is not fully healthy. Stop living in La La Land. The reality is Anthony Davis is not fully so you're, healthy. You're so t- I don't know why we don't take into account the fact that he's not usually healthy. Because the reality is we live in reality, don't wait, we? You're, not you're La, ta- La La Land. Wait, are I'm, you taking? Are you taking Chris Middleton? Are you taking the Bucks finals run Chris Middleton or? The bubble Lakers won Anthony Davis. If I'm the Lakers, I would rather have Chris Middleton if he's going to be healthy at the same time. Yeah. Because Chris Middleton's got these knee issues. If that's an issue for him, then yes, I'd rather so have you'd ra- Anthony so, Davis. Wait, hold on. So you think the Lakers win the title? Like, swap, get, get Davis off the team, Middleton's on the no, team. They're not they win a title 20, with, not, with fucking Chris Middleton? They're not. But right now, you're asking Look me who I'd rather have. Right now, I'd rather have Chris Middleton. because So right now, you'd rather have the guy who's 31, who you just said had two of the same injuries, rather than a guy, Anthony Davis, who's much younger, who maybe he, he, does, he does stay healthy. If you listen to what I said, if those knee issues aren't a big concern, he's healthy, I'm taking Chris Middleton. Yes, because he can consistently bring it for me and at least stay healthy. This is one of the best perimeter scorers in the game. But if both stay healthy, you know AD's ceiling, you know Middleton's ceiling. It's it's different levels here. Yes, but Chris Middleton has given me reason to give him the benefit of the doubt. Anthony Davis has not over the last two years. That's fair. The bubble run was... I hate to break it to people. You can call that a benefit of the doubt because he won a title, but he had a four-month hiatus. He's never going to get agreed. that again. Agreed. So, I mean, he was literally playing in Disney. I mean, talk about La La Land and Anthony Davis being healthy. There it is right there. We're, we're going to move on after shots. this. Who's better, Chris Middleton or James Harden? Chris Middleton. <laughs> right now, t- Chris... Chris Middleton against Ooh. James Harden in the playoffs. I'm taking Chris Middleton. James Harden got uh, scored by Max Strus in the playoffs and PJ Tucker. And you're gonna take you're gonna look at me crazy. PJ Tucker outscored him in the postseason in an elimination game. Why are you looking at me funny? You think Chris Middleton's better in the playoffs than James Harden? Yeah. James Harden's not very good. That's pretty dumb, bro. I'm gonna be honest. That's pretty dumb. All time, yes. I'd rather have James Harden overall. You're, you're basing right Chris Middleton being better than James Harden in the playoffs by literally one, two series. What I've seen the last two years, yeah. James Harden hasn't been healthy in 2020. In, in Brooklyn, he was averaging... With the playoff series he was in versus Boston, he averaged 24 <laughs> You're and getting 10. mad at me for the seven-game sample about? size. He just used five another five-game five sample yeah. size. What about before that? What about before that when he was in Houston, he averaged 30 in the bubble? How did he do in the elimination games exactly? Remind me. In the elimination game, he had 20-plus. In the elimination games, that counted. Well, he's the guy He's the guy on his team. Chris Middleton's not the guy on his team. Yes, but I'm what is Chris Middleton doing as the guy on, on the team? He's not doing Maybe shit. Making the He's not making the playoffs. He's not doing shit. But you're shit. asking me 2022. Stop. You're not asking me all time. 2022, I'd rather have Chris Middleton. What are we talking about? James Harden from literally last year. 2020, Average 24 yeah, and 10 in the playoffs when he was healthy. Sure. But 2021 James Harden is different than 2022 You just James told me James Chris Middleton is a better playoff performer than James Harden, bro. The last few years. Yeah. Last couple of seasons. What do you mean last few years? James Harden was terrible this last year in the postseason. Was not healthy in. That's one year. That's not last two years. The year before he wasn't healthy. The year before he was averaging twenty four and ten in the, in the when he faced Boston. And that there was he got hurt in the first. No, he got hurt in the literally the first two minutes of the, of the yeah, Bucks. That, that was unfortunate. There was no pressure. There was no pressure in that Celtics series because playing next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Irving. Oh, okay. What about in Houston when he averaged thirty in the bubble? What about the year before that when I'm he averaged saying, 30? I'm saying those what seasons. Are, what are we talking James, about? The last few years, it's Harden. not close. We're agreeing. Those seasons, I'm taking James Harden. The last two years, I'm taking Chris Middleton. He's literally comparing Chris Middleton's best playoff run to James Harden's worst one and saying, yeah, that's why Chris Middleton is better. His best series was in 2018, four, four or five years ago. And that's better than anything Chris Middleton has ever done. I'm talking about Chris Middleton, not James Harden. And that, yeah. James Harden, literally, James Harden has his worst is comparable to Chris Middleton. You and I are in agreement here. You just asked me right now who I'd rather have, and I said Chris. That that's it. Where does Chris rank for you, like among players? He top like twenty players? No, no, I got him like top thirty-five. But I think I was gonna say the the names you're taking over him though were like 
Like AD, James Harden, like injuries, I know. Yeah, but, but James Harden's not a good defender, and Chris Middleton's an above average one. And I've, right now. Still one of the better playmakers in the league. Oh, he's top top five. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm sure. Saying. But yeah, you're, you're looking defense, for a guy that can take over as a scorer. The playmaking can only get you so far when, once again, you're getting outscored by role players in the well, Harden, game. I mean, it's not like Harden gave you 15 last playoffs. He was like, he was still giving you buckets. He's giving it 21, but it was on 41% shooting. Yeah, not very impressive, particularly. I w- I'm not even a big Harden guy, but I would take my chances with Harden and his playmaking and scoring ability. Then Middleton gives you defense, but you like overrating weird players, bro. I think you have to look at the value in a Wayne player and that can do it all, all on all-time greats. No, I think James Harden's a terrific top five shooting guard of all time. I love James Harden. I'm just saying right now, I'd rather have James Harden or Chris Middleton. But you did say Chris Middleton's a better playoff performer. Last few seasons, that's it. And discussion. <laughs> Last, Last topic. topic of the show. The Knicks and Jazz are starting to talk about Donovan Mitchell again and they're re-engaging trade talks. Now, after several weeks of no conversations, the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz recently re-engaged in trade talks centered around Donovan Mitchell. League sources told The Athletic. Now, I think this is great. The Knicks have to get this deal done no matter what because maybe John here might tell you Chris Middleton is just as valuable as Donovan Mitchell, but I don't. Mm. I wouldn't agree with that because I think Donovan Mitchell is a playoff superstar. He's one of the best playoff performers in the league, and I've been saying it all offseason. If we get Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks are a top-six seed in the Eastern Conference. Jalen Brunson, D. Mitch, R.J., Randall, Mitchell Why Robinson. Randall in there? That, that is going to be a tough team to compete with. Why are you throwing in Randall if he doesn't fit in there? That's Because he's going to be on our team. But he's, he doesn't fit in there. It's not a positive. You're listening as if it's a positive along with Jalen Brunson coming in. And it is RJ. a positive. It's not. Julius yeah. Randle is not fit on that team. Last year, we saw regression to the mean. He's not a very good shooter. He's not a very good floor spacer. 41% shooting, you know, is fluky in 2021. He's not going to get back to that level. And I wouldn't be surprised if his point off ball doesn't get back to 35%. Yeah, I think he's going to get back to 35 36% from three. There's no doubt. You There's can no call, doubt. You can call Julius Randle fluky all you want, but the, the fact of the matter is that even at his worst, he's a 19 to 21 point per game scorer who can average double digit rebounds. Who, when he shows effort on defense, is a good defender, and he's a very athletic player. And what did they so get you last if season? You, we weren't very good, but what did that get us in 2020? They a got first us, round. They got us you a got playoff, one playoff win. They got Congrats. us a playoff berth in the and last eight seasons. And you were embarrassed by Trey Young as yeah. Hawk at the following season. You, that we're lost in five games. Julius Randle yeah. made All NBA second team. Has Chris Middleton ever made an All-NBA team? <laughs> I mean, if Chris Middleton played in New York, he probably would be overrated just like Randall. So. Has, has he ever made an All-NBA team? Let me ask you. No. But he has never achieved that. He won't ever achieve that. We can. The reason that, why right? I overrate these weird yeah. players is because they aren't ceiling limiting. Julius Randall limits your ceiling in ways because the effort is not always there defensively. Not if the Julius Randall is, not, is one you of your can fit third, cr- fourth best players. I love Chris Middleton because you can fit him on, on almost any team in the league. And I think in Milwaukee, he's in a great spot for himself. Where, yeah, he has to be number one. Guess what? He's playing off the best player in the NBA. Well, what happens? Well, what happens? What happens if Chris Middleton is the number one? Can he do what Julius Randall did in, in the in the bubble, in the in the isolated year, can he do that? I don't know why you're pretending the Knicks defense wasn't the reason they made the playoffs. It wasn't Julius Randall. He was just... Fine enough. Was he not? A, was us. he not a good defender that year? Julius Randle was fine. Was, very good was he not a good defender that year? Yeah, but they had a, a top ten, top three defense. Top was he not a good defender that year? He was fine. He was fine. If you th- say average. he was just fine, that's ridiculous because he was a good defender that year. When you're surrounding him with very good defenders, Reggie Bullock, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, who had a great year for them, and even Alfred Payne in the starting lineup, he's going to look better because the guys surrounding him. He oh, was but fine. Answer my question, though. He was about average. Can Chris Middleton do what Randle did, taking a team? To the fourth seed in the East Conference, can, can he do that? If you put, if you put 
Chris Middleton on that next team, they can make the playoffs because they're still going to be a top 10 defense. They're going to have a that very year, good score. Right? Yes, because their defense was what got them into the playoffs. It was not their offense. They had the 23rd ranked offense in NBA. So stop pretending yes. Julius Randle's a guy in the playoffs. Don't spew that at me. Come on. Did you not see the Julius Randle average 24, 10, and 5? It was an impressive season. I he think was he was one awesome. Of the, he's one of the only players ever to average those numbers while shooting 40% from three. And what, what are we talking about here? What are you shooting in the playoffs? He wasn't good in the playoffs. Yeah, couldn't go right. Yeah, well, I mean, but it was terrible. It was bad. the fact that you're acting like Julius Randle was some garbage player is just ridiculous. Did I call him it's, garbage? You didn't. No, you, you didn't. Ins- I just you, said their defense you ins- me the playoffs. Did and he Julius not, insin- not insinuate that he was garbage? I don't think he insinuated he was garbage. I don't think I He did. literally said, why'd you mention Randall? That's a negative. That's oh, what he said. No, he's, he's, he's talking right about now. this team. He's talking this about 2022 Randall. I don't Randall. care. Randall's going to prove you wrong. <laughs> what? Joel, yeah, quick question. Say. Um, You guys <laughs> get Mitch. You said you're a playoff lock, top six seed, so no play. Donovan no play. Mitchell, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Mitchell. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I'm just, I think you should 100%. If you get Donovan Mitchell, you go and you get it. Get it done. I'm kind of sick of this because we've been talking like a month ago. There's reports the deal could get done tonight, and we're a month here later, and now they're re-engaging in talks. I feel like we know what the deal is going to be, who it's centered around, just a matter of how many first round picks do you give up. But you get, you get Mitch, you get Donovan Mitchell. I think you're a playoff team, but you still have to look at the teams you potentially have to face in the first round. Those top three or four seeds, like the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Heat. How do you feel? Like that's going to be round one matchup. With Donovan Mitchell, he can win you a playoff series against those four yeah. teams. Yeah, but you Who? saw one of them. I say Miami, right now Miami. You saw that Dallas series, and what really stood out to me was the way Jalen Brunson earned max money. Well, max, eh, he's worth twenty million. I think also maybe like the Bucks. Maybe if like Chris Middleton no. gets hurt because no. he's what makes them contenders. No. And I, you know, I what don't think you're always in the middle be, of something. You're not being the Bucks, bro. Maybe what without was, Middleton, right? I think so. You're not being the Bucks. What too. I was getting at here is. The way Jalen Brunson made Donovan Mitchell look like a turnstile on defense was embarrassing. And so I do think you should mention that while he's an incredibly prolific score. That, that's part of this. And I don't think Donovan Mitchell's number one. My question for you is how much are you willing to give up for Donovan Mitchell until we're going too far? And this is turning to Carmelo Anthony 2.0 where our team's not good enough. And we invest everything into him. Everything. Because right now, the Knicks, love it. the Knicks are not in the same position that they were when they traded for Melo. Because we don't have established players that we're trading for Donovan Mitchell. Everything includes R.J. Barrett. What do you mean? You said you you trade everything for R.J. Everything for Donovan Mitchell. Oh, well, everything. Not, not, I think he's saying not, like not the RJ. treasure chest of draft picks and like I'm, OB I'm trading, and Grimes. Tra- what's, and, the, what's the most you're willing to go for Donovan Mitchell? And she say, okay, maybe we should just hold on to these assets because I'm trading can, Grimes. I'm trading OB. I'm trading quickly. I'm trading our picks. It doesn't matter. What, how many picks? You're trading up three, three unprotected, three I mean, pick swaps. Three, three, four, five. I don't give a fuck. I'm getting Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Whoa. Love it. When we traded for Carmelo, you want to know who we gave up? Danilo Gallinari, who was good at the time. He's better than any of our young players we currently have. That that Gallinari was good as hell. Yeah. Wilson Chandler was a very good wing who averaged 16 in Denver. Timofey Mozgov, who hadn't developed at, at the time, but was good. We also gave up our starting point guard at the time, Raymond Felton, for Carmelo, along with picks that one of them ended up being Jamal Murray. Right now, we don't have... The Jazz are not asking for those solidified players in a deal like that. Do you know who you're Getting dealing Mitchell with? is going to not only make our roster better. They're with the GOAT. Getting Mitchell. With the goal. They're not dealing with Kevin McHale. Getting Donovan Mitchell is not only going to make our roster better, but it's going to make players want to come to New York. So when Giannis is off his contract and he he's tired of playing with Chris Middleton, he's coming to the back. <laughs> <laughs> it all wraps together. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Danny Ainge is not going to lose a deal 
and he's not going to trade Donovan Mitchell for anything less than what he's worth. He's only going to trade him for what the market desires. And basically what he's doing, similar to Rudy Gobert, he's not really holding the Knicks against the wall and making them bid against other teams. He's making you bid, bid against, against the yourselves. Jazz for oh. the Jazz keeping Donovan Mitchell. They're bidding against themselves. Yeah, they, they basically yeah. are because Danny Ainge is going to have all the leverage here. My, so you think, you think is, Danny Ainge wants to... Risk having Donovan Mitchell for this season. Risk having a guy who you think makes a team a playoff lock, right? Well, the Knicks, not that Jazz current roster. You think Danny Ainge wants to risk having Mitchell on the team, have him win you games, which essentially will take you out the Scoot Henderson, Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes. You think he wants to do that? Are those guys as proven as Donovan Mitchell? Who, hey, look, stars don't about come around the, often. The rookies, in Utah. the. the, the no, they're not proven like Mitchell. Yeah, he makes a team play but a block if, like if you're saying. The so Jazz are obviously like the Jazz are obviously in a rebuild, which is why they don't want to take back players that are actually solidified. Donovan's just 25 years old. Without, they're not interested in keeping Donovan through this rebuild. Well, this is how they're going to talk to the Knicks and they're giving out a seven first round. I, I don't disagree. If Danny Ainge wants disagree. to be hard headed, he can send his ass to Washington or Charlotte because <laughs> they're also interested. But I guarantee you, but your package they're not going to be better. Pause. Our packages are better, significantly yeah. better, because they're larger. Well, here's my other question for you because, <laughs> okay, so I like <laughs> Mitchell in New York a lot with Jalen Brunson. But with that undersized backcourt, and again, Randall, who is a questionable fit as number three opposed to a number one, are they a top four contender when you look at those four teams after Mitchell? No, we're not. No. A, we're not. I never said we're a top four contender, but guess what? Players that want to come to New York, the interest now grows because they're saying, we want to play with Donovan Mitchell. And I'm fine with trading our young players. I'm fine with trading our picks. Look, if there's a box, throw those motherfuckers in a box. Fill it up. Throw those guys. Fill it up. Lars, Grande, trade them and make them eat it up. Because I want them to stop being petty. Danny Ainge has to stop being petty about it. So He's doing you, a great guys, job. you guys get Mitchell first on exit team? No, we're going to the second round. <laughs> okay, so you're beating then one of Philadelphia. You said, said Miami. Milwaukee. You said they can beat Miami. They can beat Miami. You did say the Bucks. I, I'm going to let you... Take that back if you want. No, I'm saying if Chris Middleton's not, you know, playing because you said he's had two of the same. If Middleton injuries, is out, I think they still beat y'all. Hell no, dude. I think that'd be an interesting fight. I'm took us to seven, Bucks. but yeah, we're far better teams. I'm, I'm talking about those teams, but we're fucking up the Hawks definitely. <laughs> um, the Raptors, it's not even a debate. It we're is a debate. Ki- we're killing the Raptors. Raptors, Raptors got a, we're that'd killing be a fun Raptors series. have a that'd top be a fun three series. head coach and a top five, we're gonna top make, seven defense and a bunch of size. Oh, hold on. So you guys, we're the small, make them, oh, no, no, you have the smallest backcourt in the NBA against a team that has, I said, that'd be it's a, project, that'd be a tough matchup. it's project tough six, matchup. seven versus a bunch of six foot one guards and RJ Barrett, who in the playoffs looked lost as an off ball player. Who's so don't Donovan say Mitchell. it's not a debate because you know, it's a debate. They have it's a top a five head coach and elite defense. It's not a debate. What is this guy? On? That, we're going to make, we're gonna make those motherfucking Raptors go extinct. I would take y'all just because I feel like you have, you have Donovan Mitchell, who is a proven elite playoff performer, but it'd be a fun series. That Their size win. would overwhelm yeah. that backcourt. Doesn't matter, man. Hard over height. Okay, ask the Blazers how that's gone for them. They made the Western Conference Finals. How many games did they win? Say once. They didn't <laughs> win one, but they made the conference finals. Okay. And they beat a Nuggets team that was nowhere near what they were going to become. <laughs> and it really, quite frankly, it was an impressive run. That's 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 we it. have a small backcourt, so does Toronto. Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent isn't a, isn't one of the biggest backcourts. Gary Trent six foot five. So Okay, and Mitchell is he Six still one. would cook his ass. He it would cook matter. his ass. He would. Garrett Trent's a pretty good defender. I know, but it doesn't matter. He's, he's it's Donovan not, Mitchell. He's not. Donovan Mitchell last year wasn't Donovan. He was getting cooked defense. He was the one getting cooked. And here's but my Mitchell's going to give you fucking 30 a night. I love the, the theory of the Knicks getting an awesome free agent 
but the practicality of it is so unrealistic because when you just look at the, the stars they've acquired, it, it's been through trade in, in Carmelo. I mean, they signed Amari Stoudemire and Julius Randle. That's because we haven't been an attractive destination. But you guys, you've been saying this for years, I feel like. You, had, you were an attractive destination when you got top three pick in R.J. Barrett. You were an attractive destination with Carmelo Anthony. That but, was our chance. But what makes this different? Because, look, Tom Thibodeau probably played a role in them getting Jalen Brunson. I thought the Brunson move was really good. I love him. But with that being said, there is a, a very strict limit with this group because Nick Nurse is a top-five coach. Tom Thibodeau, we, we've seen what he is. He, he's not an above-average head coach. He's below average. He He's not, not below average. Okay, let's go through the coaches in the NBA because he is well below average. It's honestly not even close. Let's do it. Steve Kerr or Tom Thibodeau? Steve Kerr. Tyron Lue or Tom Thibodeau? Tyron Lue. Monty Williams. Monty Williams. Rick Carlisle. Tom Thibodeau. What is Rick? Rick Carlisle hasn't won a playoff series in like 10 years. Has he won a championship? When's the last time Rick Carlisle's won a playoff series? He hasn't even gotten out the first round. Has Tom Thibodeau? Out the first round? Yes, in the last 10 years. Yes, last year? And in Chicago. Yeah, what year is that? Nate Robinson. He, his best player <laughs> was Nate oh, Robinson. Was in the first round. I would say Nate I Robinson. this tall when he did that. Okay. Yeah. You're the now same height as Nate, probably. Mike Boonholzer. Mike Boonholzer. Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder. Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich. Okay, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse. Eric Spolstra. Spolstra. Michael Malone. Mike Malone. Ime Udoka. Ime. Frank Vogel. Tom Thibodeau. Billy Donovan. That's close. I'm going to go with Tom Thibodeau. Chris Finch. Right. Chris Finch, I'm going to lean him. Willie Green. Tom Thibodeau. We just saw Willie Green take a team that didn't have Zion Williamson to nearly the... They took him to the playoffs. He almost beat a number one seed in round one. Yes, Devin Booker was hurt. But even still, Willie Green had an impressive first season. He's shown a lot of upside. I would much rather have Willie Green based off of what he can be. Players love that guy. How he many how many all stars How many all stars do the Pelicans have? Two. Right? How many do the Knicks have? Well, according to you, they have an all NBA player, which is greater well, than well, two all stars. In, in the in the in the bubble, well, in the isolated season, yes. How come Willie Green this list, by the way? Oh, hold up. How come Willie Green gets put over Tom Thibodeau off of a play in run where they made the playoffs? even though they were the 10th seed, right? I think they, they were the 10th seed heading in. But Tom Thibodeau doesn't get credit for taking a Knicks roster that should have never been in the playoffs in the first place to the fourth seed. And you want to know what they, they did? Limited one your ceiling. New York, the, the expectation in the basketball mecca, it shouldn't be first-round exits. What it should be is championships. We weren't expected to make the playoffs that year. But, but we, this next team is in, in championship contender. In order to become a contender, you need to get top draft picks, and you need to push your cards to get game-changing what, what, what would Tom Thibodeau do with that Pelicans team? That Pelicans roster is really good. It wasn't. They started year 3-16. and 16, But, but right Willie now, Green with the showed, roster right now, with their roster right but now. But what Willie Green showed, he got Brandon Ingram to buy in as the leader, as one of the best defenders in that team. And then, not only that, he got development from young players like Jackson Hayes, Jose Alvarado, Herb, Herb Jones, yeah. a little bit of Trey Murphy. Players love that guy. Who's to say... Herb Jones with Tom Thibodeau wouldn't have, wouldn't have been phenomenal. He would have probably done well. I think he would have been pretty good, but how about Are we forgetting Jimmy? Did he not develop Jimmy Butler? That was a decade ago. And then Jimmy Butler basically ran him out of Minnesota. 12 years ago was not a 12 years ago was a decade. That was not a decade Ten, ago. I said t- a decade ago, 10 years. 2012. And here's the thing, Jimmy Butler was also the one who turned him upside down in Minnesota. I mean, he he brings in Jimmy Butler and then Jimmy Butler flips his world literally upside down. He gets They were a top 5 seed before he got hurt. 
And in they weren't. They were an eight seed and they got knocked down the first round. So by Houston, who made list. the conference finals and took the Warriors to seven. Let's continue this list. Jason Kidd or Tom Thibodeau? That's close. I'll lean Jason Kidd. Though. That's fifteen coaches right there. Oof. But there's like, and there's more. JB Bickerstaff, Tom Thibodeau, Mike Brown, Tom Thibodeau. All right. I would I would take uh, basically uh, for me I have Tom Thibodeau. You really as, like unproven guys who have upside. Oh, Jamie Bickerstaff. He look what he did with Cleveland. He's gonna do so much better next year. I'm taking him. Tom Thibodeau. This is his third go around. Willie Green has one one fucking run. Oh, well, he's better than Tom like, Thibodeau. Tibbs has the history behind him. He's proven it before. Like he's my, not the ceiling, sure, but these other guys who haven't done shit. But I understand Tom, Tibbs, Tom over that. Thibodeau was bad last and season. Also, he's stubborn and also, he is. he's not adaptive. He's, he's very and he old runs school. his players he's into very, the ground. Yeah, and, also, and while he's old, old school, he doesn't actually have and, the and franchise's also, best interest. And interests. also, how about what a better question would be, because Mike Malone, that's a good coach. You probably think he clears Tom Thibodeau. What happens if they no. switch places? If Thibodeau's in Denver and Mike Malone's in New York, is he taking? Is, is are the Knicks making the playoffs? I don't think Mike Malone clears Tom Thibodeau because Michael Malone was not very good last year in Denver. So, yeah, I think Malone's a little bit better. I prefer him. Yeah. And just because there might be 14, 15 coaches that you prefer over Tom Thibodeau. Well, you have 15 you prefer. Does, you say does, top 15 does not, does not mean that he's not a great head coach. Great. You know what great means, because right? I, because I, Semantics. Because Let's do it. Honestly, being a great head coach is really a year-to-year thing. Let's do a poll for TikTok or something. Is Tom Thibodeau a great head coach? Because I just named 15 I would think head coaches a, I would think, much rather have. I would think a coach of the year would be that. And is Dwayne, a, a is Dwayne multiple Casey, time coach is of the Dwayne year. Is Dwayne Casey a great head coach? He was in Toronto. Absolutely. He's a great head coach. But then he got fired yeah. after winning coach of the year, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, are, are the Pistons not trending up right now? Yeah. Who's gonna be who's gonna be the but person? They have, have top tier talent from high draft picks. They they do. That's not what what do you think Dwayne Case is gonna do with that with that talent in Detroit? I'm not trying to disrespect I, I will Dwayne guarantee Casey, they'll the be a playoff contender sooner rather than later with Dwayne Casey head coaching that team. I just think you they, they got Kate. You think, know what I'm saying? Like they got number one overall pick. I, I think you're off. Ultimately, I think you can be a great coach. You can be a great you can be a great coach, but you need the talent. Greg Popovich is the greatest coach of all fucking That's time in shit. NBA. He hasn't done shit in the past couple of years. Why? Because the roster is there. He's stubborn you, in his that, ways. He hasn't done nothing. He He's stubborn in his ways. Because he didn't, like he didn't want to work with Kawhi. He didn't want to rebuild. What did the Knicks want to do? They didn't want to rebuild. They got what? a first his round. His first problem, he didn't want to work with Kawhi. Yeah, does that dicey. But wait, yeah, so, so like if he weird. if he was a player's coach and like let's make it work, you still have Kawhi. The Spurs team looks a lot different. To be fair, Greg Popovich did kind of modernize load management for a guy like Kawhi too. Despite Greg sure. Popovich not doing nothing in the past couple of years within within his team, he's still a great coach, right? Yes. Yeah, he's the greatest coach. Okay. Because he has championships, I understand that. You need the roster too. Tom Thibodeau, New York, has he's at he's at two seasons. The first season, we overachieved. The second season, we came back down to earth. Now this is a make or break year. The reason why Greg Popovich, what I'm trying to say, is the reason why I hadn't done nothing with talent. He made the playoffs with the Bulls with DJ Augustine starting. He's not letting me speak. The reason why Greg Popovich has done nothing is because he didn't do what was best for the organization. That was to rebuild three years ago and go out and get a top-end pick in the draft multiple years in a row instead of settling for a Josh Primo who's not a great prospect. And now they're realizing, oh, wait, we're a couple years late to this thing. Now we've delayed an inevitable rebuild. The Knicks are delaying an inevitable rebuild. If you want RJ to fully grow, he has to take the keys as a main guy. I like the Jalen Brunson move. I think he fits well. But with Tom Thibodeau, there isn't much upside. And beyond that, he's stubborn 
He's not going to help you do it to that organization, which was missing the playoffs in 2020. So you can get a Cade Cunningham who makes you a contender, like you just said, with Dwayne Casey. And then Lon Lon J. Barrett, you sign it. You don't sign Jalen Brunson with Cade Cunningham. But if you have a backward of Cade and RJ, you're according to you, you're set for contention, like you just said. Nick Nurse, I didn't say contention. I said playoff lock. You said that the Pistons are trending toward contention with Dwayne Casey because Certainly of Cade No, no, I didn't. I said playoff contenders. Playoff contenders, yeah. That's yeah, so they're making the playoffs. They're, just gonna make, they're gonna be contending well, to make the playoffs. Playing, yeah. uh, a you contender for the playoffs, the team that can make the playoffs. A playoff contender is a team that can win a championship. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, you I know, know what I mean. You, know, yeah, you know what I mean. We know the Pistons are ultimately. Playoff, you know, well, he's over here telling me Tom Thibodeau is a great head coach. I don't know what he's trying to get at. We lost the semantics. He's a good head coach. He's not really good. I I think head coaches are as good as they've ever been, and there's 20 of them I wouldn't mind having. So does that mean that Tom Thibodeau's not great, or does that mean that the coaches are just in abundance right now? That are great. He's not great. He did, you know, he was running guys into the ground in Chicago. So what do you make Minnesota. about the, the year they had the number four seed? Well, what's the reason? Because he went all in and pushing the chips of a team that was fine in a year where they st- suffered no injuries, no COVID protocol. Julius played all 72 games, and let's be honest, he had a career year. It wasn't really repli- so replicable. It had no- so trading for Derrick Rose, which was his decision, had nothing to do with it, which was his his that call. Was his his call. Now, what is you, what are you doing, Derrick Rose? Because you're trying to develop Manuel quickly. Well, How does that work? Weird. It's a weird fit. Well, it's gonna work. Yeah, I know it's gonna work. It's gonna because work now Manuel, if, you, if you trade because quickly. Now, because now Manuel quickly is gonna Mitch, be off yeah. to Utah when we get down to Mitchell. Now, let me ask you: Does Tom Thibodeau make the playoffs with a roster of Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam? He would run them in the ground just like Nick Nurse's. Oh, that's a good question. Oh, so when when Thibodeau does it, it's a bad thing. But Nick Nurse running them to the ground, oh, it's fine. But out of necessity, so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what? That's Nick Nurse's only fault as a head coach. What I'm saying here His is only fault. Nick Nurse is amazing at developing talent. I looked at Precious Achua last year. He developed a little bit of Chris Boucher, though he went necessarily play him. And then Gary Trent, Fred VanVleet. I don't think Scotty. Tibbs is Gary developing Trent was good guys. in Portland, Scotty. but he didn't fully take off. And because so he, he wasn't in Portland for long, he was there for his rookie season yeah. and got traded. And then he took another. He step was gonna up. take. He was gonna take off in Portland regardless, though. And then he took another step up in a better fit in Toronto. So we're saying Nick Nurse developed Gary Trent. He's the re- so he's he developed he developed Precious Achua into like a guy that's knocking down transition three pointers like he's Kevin Durant. I'm like, is it dude a sharpshooter? And then I look at Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, like you said. All of those guys are developing, and I look at RJ. He's really just developing because they're saying. What about oh, IQ? Has he developed or no? No, he, he stepped back. He took regress in year two. He wasn't yeah. making shots. That's really I what like. What about IQ. Quinn Grimes' rookie year? He was pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty he good. Was. No, and, no and, credit. And, and Tibbs, Tibbs Ar- wouldn't listen, play him. Tibbs did not play him until like he had to out of necessity because of COVID. You realize well, that, that RJ is his coach. Yeah, but it was really just. Uh, everyone's hurt to skim the keys, and he shot. Julius yeah, Randle was healthy. He averaged twenty four a game shooting. What do you mean? He barely shot forty percent. Yeah, he was. But RJ's developed. We've seen over the year, from year one, RJ, to what we saw last but season. But I wouldn't credit that to Tibbs. I would credit that to opportunity and a very good talent. Oh, wow. So with Nurse and... You can't oh, pick and choose. I do pick and choose. You can't do that, bro. We know RJ's been developing. I look That's at Toronto's... Just... I look at Toronto's... Wait, so, wait, hold on. Bro. Wait, Joe, before you go. So, is Tom Thibodeau the reason RJ misses layups at the basket? That's... It's his fault? No. Okay. So... But he's also why? a player that was running RJ Barron to the ground in the second season as well at the same time. 
What do you mean running him to the? And ground? he was just relegating him to a corner three point shooter role. If you if you had your best in, if you had the best interest of RJ Barrett in mind, he wouldn't be a corner shooter in a second season. He would have a lead role on the offense, so he can get some of those growing pains out early. You're not going to be very good with the second year RJ Barrett, and that's okay. Well, you're supposed you... to be a rebuilding team because you just had the third overall pick the year before. To his defense, they were winning, bro. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't go. <laughs> this is so playoffs. fucking funny. What, what? They weren't going anywhere. So, so listen, Joe. Let me ask you this. But last... for the Knicks, a four seed is Joe, a huge no, win. No, this is the basketball mecca. Are we settling for a first round exit? I don't. Di- I don't disagree. But we the, want the, the Knicks have been the Knicks Yo, have been jo, jo, one of the jo, jo, most stop, 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 stop. inconsistent bro, bro, bro. teams in the league. Bro, bro, bro. You're talking about a title when we went into that season not even thinking we were going to make the playoffs. Yeah. But how do you get to a title, Joel? Making the playoffs. You, make, you don't go from do you, no playoffs to championship. But here's championship. what I'm asking: How do you like, say, make Warriors, the playoffs? What are the, the steps? Bastards. What do you have to do? What are the so steps? This is this is funny. Joe, because he meant he said something that was really fucking dumb that I want to now reiterate to you because I want to give you these scenarios. Right. You criticized Tom Tibble for relegating RG to a spot-up shooter role, right? And that wasn't properly developing, although the team was winning. So would a great coach make the team lose in favor of developing your third overall pick or keep doing what's making the team win and the third overall pick now relegated to a role that's helping the team win you, games. you got to win. I know long-term it's probably not in the best interest of RJ, but for that specific season when the Knicks have been the laughing stock of the league, for them to get to a four seed is a huge win for so them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the top contenders from each conference. Why? Because you like the Miami Heat. They were the one team that didn't have a bunch of lottery picks to build a contender. The Boston Celtics, what do they do? They bottom out, got Marcus Smart, and then they trade veterans who are not going to take them anything past the first round. And guess what that became? Jalen Brown and then a pick that would become Jason Tatum, a top 10 player. You're asking Tom Thibodeau to be the GM. He's not the GM of this team. But the direction that you go in in hiring Tom Thibodeau, who's an older coach that wants to win now, is we're going with Tom Thibodeau. This is his squad. We're going to design it for him. When we hired Tom Thibodeau, Leon Rose was the one that made the hire. Leon Rose's vision in New York was to do exactly what we're doing now in trying to get a star like Donovan Mitchell. Why do you they, think they acquired the pieces? And they have the picks to go out and get a superstar. You have I'm to give them that. Because you, you can build through the draft, but you could also go and get that superstar player via trade. That's what the Celtics John, do when John, they got John, KG. You're, you're a basketball historian. But they already had. They had Pierce, and they John. traded for Ray. Like, it, it happened the, the same way. Like, John, a John. franchise to move Kevin Garnett, not much. John, John, I'm, John. But the Knicks are a global franchise, too. Yeah, they are the global franchise. They're not the ones John, John, screwing over you're, the global franchise. John, you're, yeah. you're a basketball historian. Where were the Knicks in 2017? What did we have? Did we have any assets? Have shit. 2017. You had Kristaps Porzingis. Okay. Kate Fax. Do we have any assets though outside of him? Dennis Smith Jr. Right. Tim Hardaway Jr. Was he on the team or was he in Atlanta? I think he might have been in Atlanta. He was probably in Atlanta. Let me pull it up. So, so we've went from having no assets, no cap money, to now having salary, having eight first round picks. That's pretty that solid. That are tradable. And most of those and most protected. young players. Uh, what <laughs> players that we've drafted late include Emmanuel Quickly. Who's a very good player, mm-hmm. Quentin Grimes, who was a who was late first round. We've done a good job drafting too. Yeah, so Jericho now, Sims is a good backup. So now imagine. So, so yeah. how how is this? What are we it's talking impressive. about? Here? So now imagine if you give yourself a bigger bite at the apple. How, by doing what? By getting a top three pick. That's how Memphis got John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. The so Warriors forcing the us Warriors to tank. By being bad you for want a us long to, time. So you want us to tank? Yes, that's what the Knicks. Your roster is too good now to tank. We're but way past. What this. I'm saying is, 
you gotta, you gotta understand this. So you want you want Tom Thibodeau to tank? Yeah, there's and two different arguments Tom here, Thibodeau, though. I, I yes. Yeah, so in hiring Tom Thibodeau as a coach, your direction becomes win, win now. now. Oh, but when I, you're I supposed know, to, I, I know what he's doing. I know what he's doing. He wants Tom Thibodeau to tank to then be like, oh look, Tom Thibodeau, he's such an ass coach. He won twenty fucking games. No, what I'm saying is you don't hire Tom Thibodeau. You hire a younger coach who he can grow. You look at what a team like Memphis did. Well, that's a, that's a different argument. That's you should have never hired Tom Thibodeau. Now he is the coach. Yes. This is the team. Wait, what is hold he? Up. But we, the limitations with him is his style. What type of coach is this guy? Is he a player development? As you would know, is he even like I look at Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle is a brilliant playoff coach, one of the best in the NBA. Tyron Lue was a brilliant. He's a brilliant coach. playoff coach that hasn't gone out the first round in how many years? Well, to be fair, in those two years he get, went up against the Clippers and they had two top ten players. If it's not for and Dirk, they went, they went deep in those and years. If it's not, six, seven if it's, and if it's not for Dirk going a historically great run, Rick Carlisle does not have a championship title. Dirk Nowitzki fucking backpacked his his fraud ass. I love Dirk. What are we well, talking about? Called, it was a great final. He called run. a top five coach fraud. Okay, that's, that's Rick cool. Rick Carl Rick Carl is a top five coach. Yeah, he was an amazing. That's stupid, coach. bro. That's ridiculous. Is Rick Carl a top five head coach? No, I'm, no, not twenty twenty two. I'm talking two thousand fifteen to then sixteen. Oh. No, right now. I'll no, say right, right now. We're talking about right yeah, now. I don't give a fuck about eight years right ago. Now, Tom Thibodeau was a top coach at that time. What are we talking about? I wouldn't go that far. I want this guy is ridiculous. We're going to end off the show, though. This is going to do it for episode 200. A lot of debates, a ton. Of the Pick Aside Podcast. You guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast and on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey, guys, this is Al Galdi from the Al Galdi Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show that you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand its team podcast network and business operations. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand its sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash blue wire. That's wefunder.com slash blue wire.